Welcome back to Double Oz 7. We're a James Bond podcast, if you didn't know that. And we're here for episode 10, but episode 7 of the movie chronology. We're here to talk about some people's favorite, some people's least favorite, Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, my opinion, maybe the best James Bond movie to deal in diamonds for <laughs> the next 18 years, 19 years, who knows. Uh, I am Colin Hergesheimer, here to check on Radiation Shields. Uh, my name's Noel Groves, and I work for the Acme Pollution Company. I'm just here uh, to clean up the world, and I thought this would be a good starting point. And hi, I'm Ben. Ben O'Toole. No, actually, Ben Waterworth, and uh, <laughs> I was not named after my father. That's not the first time he's been called Ben O'Toole, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's my nickname for him. Well, not Ben-O, just Tool. <laughs> I like Ben-O, that's all right. <laughs> Ben-O, Tool. <laughs> anyway. uh, as we said, we're here for Diamonds Are Forever, and uh, for all those that you that were missing so many of the Bond staples in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, uh, you're in for a treat, or are you? We'll find out. Um, so many things are back in this movie. Blofeld is back. Charles Gray is back. Felix is back. Guy Hamilton's back. Sean Connery's back. Sean Connery's hair is kind of new. Um, <laughs> but Diamonds Are Forever starts off the 70s. It's uh, very different from what we saw in the 60s as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let's go around first and just give general opinions on Diamonds Are Forever. I'll let the fans go first here. Um, I every Bond fan has that one guilty pleasure film, and this is definitely my one. I adore this one so much. Um, some of my opinions have changed when we're doing the in order rewatch, and I worried that that might happen. Uh, coming off on a Majesty's Secret Service, but this film is just so damn fun. I enjoyed every second of it. Was never bored. Uh, there are some negatives about it, of course, which we'll get into, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives. And at the end of the day, this is an insanely fun film. We called You Only Live Twice fun, but this is ultra fun. I love Diamonds Are Forever. It's so good. Well, I just wanted to also quickly take this moment for a brief moment's silence to remember George Lazenby as James Bond, as uh, <laughs> he no longer moved on to another one. But no, I, I love... Playing in the background right now. Yes. Lazenby was last episode. Um, but no, look, yeah, I love Diamonds Are Forever. You all know my guilty pleasure is another one with the acronym of D-A-D. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, this this is um, I think the first I mentioned the the last one. This is the first sort of old school Connery film that I ever saw. Um, so I saw On a Majesty's Secret Service, then I saw Diamonds Are Forever. I kind of bypassed the actual sixties Connery's movie for um, a while, and I I agree with everything that Noah said. I mean, this movie is just fun, and it's just great, and it's it's Bond in Vegas, and there's a moon buggy, and there's <laughs> There's Blofeld in drag, um, and I just yes, let's just talk and about the O'Toole. Yeah, there's O'Tools and plenty of them. So I yeah, I am I'm a big fan of this, and I um I appreciate it. I feel even more watching it this time and paying attention to a lot of things because if we can't have fun talking about a movie where an elephant plays a slot machine, then there's something <laughs> wrong with us. Um. I'm going to mention a few of my wife's opinions along the way here because <laughs> I didn't realize this is the first time she had ever seen Diamonds Are Forever. Um, she's going to disagree with even me, and I'm going to be the negative one here. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this is a boring movie. She was insanely bored throughout it. Uh, what? Uh, insanely uh, bored. Divorce <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to start off by saying, like you guys, this was one of the first Bond movies I saw. I think I saw the original Terrence Young movies, then I saw maybe like A View to a Kill, Living Daylights, and then this. And at the time that I saw this, much like you guys, I'm like, wow, that was such an entertaining movie. That was such a good movie. Something really does change for me when you watch it chronologically. Because as soon as I saw Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the very next time I saw Diamonds Are Forever, I'm like, what a disappointment of a sequel. And that's really the fault here, is that I think if this movie maybe were placed uh, after Man with the Golden Gun, or even in place of Man with the Golden Gun, uh, I probably view it a little bit differently. But it's just such an unusual movie, and you guys have said it's definitely not boring, and I agree with that. But this is like a James Bond movie made by somebody on acid, and <laughs> so many things about <laughs> this movie. That's why it's so good. <laughs> just have scratching your head, and yeah, there's some very funny moments throughout, but uh, I also think there's some moments where this movie really does kind of drag, but uh, it'll be interesting to get the opinions throughout this. Um, first thing we should really jump into is the pre-title sequence, and uh, yeah, Blofeld's back. He... Uh, clearly had his hair plug procedure done before um, <laughs> his plastic surgery. Uh, he has a double made up. Um, we have maybe one of the worst fights in Bond movie history. And Blofeld or Blofeld's double or somebody else dies by... If there was death by in the last one. This one looked like death by gravy or mustard. Uh, <laughs> general opinions on this. For me, I... Uh, again, coming off of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, this is not what you want to see in a pre-title sequence. But I think even removing it from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, this is kind of a lazy effort, especially considering some of the good stuff we will see later, later on. Um, I enjoy it. I like how fast it is with, like, Bond's here, and then he's here, and then he's here, and he's got the girl, and we've got the Bond, James Bond, even though it was a pretty awful one. Come on, Connery, give it some effort. Um, in my own little fan fiction world, I like to think that in You Only Live Twice, once uh, Henderson was stabbed, uh, the henchman picked him up, took him, and uh, you have Donald Pleasance going, mm, I like the look of him, and they <laughs> kept his body and cut his face off. Um, that's my own little tie to keep the chronology going. Um, that would have been good to see. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's definitely lacking a bit. Um, it's unique for the time. It's probably not my least favourite up to this point. I think it's hilarious when the guy goes, Cairo! And, like, <laughs> his mouth doesn't even move. Like, normally the dubbing in these films are great, but that was awful, and it was kind of a bit like Miami. Um, <laughs> yeah, then the mud stuff is a bit weird, and, like, oh, Blofeld's dead, is he? Um I've got uh, kind of a a theory or an idea I'd like to put past you guys, but maybe, Ben, do you want to talk about it first and then I'll ask you about my idea that I have while watching this film. I would like to hear that, Noah. But, yes, I just wanted to quickly say that um, I agree with Colin in terms of sort of coming off on a Magic Secret Service. I guess the only thing that I don't like about this movie is that we have such a tragic ending in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and there's no mention of it at all. Um, I mean, we don't really get a mention of anything like that. I think, watch, the spy love me. So well, there is a brief mention when uh, M goes, Blofeld's dead, get a grip on. Like, that's True. kind of a reference to it. And I guess, I mean, it was obviously a big deal to have Connery back um, after a movie, um, you know, after he did, wasn't there for um, Majesties and he's back here again. And, and and one other small gripe, which I'm sure we'll mention, is I, I honestly think, and I, I probably might get disagreed with, I don't know, Connery does look a little past Bond at this point. I think he's a bit old. <laughs> little um, bit. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe let's I won't... not forget a view to a kill, though. <laughs> All right, true. We, we might not get disagreements with that. But, um, I mean, this opening sequence, it's so quick and straight, you know, to the point with everything, and Bond's, like, fucking pissed. Like, you know, maybe maybe that is a direct connection to Majesty's Secret Service. He's well, that I, much up. I believe up to... that's the idea. Because he's punching and killing and, you know, he's, he's taking girls' tops off to choke them and he's making people say Cairo without their lips moving. I mean, he's, he's, he's very angry and he's gone to different countries. Now. And you mentioned his, you know, Bond, James Bond. Was that dubbed over? Like, I swear that did not... Something off about it. Yeah, there, there, something felt really off. But I think it's, it's a fun bit where we get, like, this mud and massive turds being dropped on his heads and you know and, and it leads into um i mean we'll get to the intro i want to hear noah's question and theory but i, I the one bits that i do love um is i love it when he gets has to put his hands up and the way he like he almost does jazz hands when he like puts his hands up and he's all like oh my hands are up and um i love the the cat it leads into oh, the, the opening. Yeah, that's <laughs> but my my one question, and no, I, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder because I don't know what your your theory is. But how does Bond know it's Blofeld? Like, does he know he's gotten surgery? Like, I, he's obviously he's there, like at a plastic surgery part. But because I mean, he looks completely. He's not bald. He's you know a little bit gay looking, if you ask me. But like, I, I don't. <laughs> I, how does he know that's Blofeld? Wait, gay looking or grey looking? Oh, let's say grey. It's probably more politically correct. But <laughs> yeah, that was a pun on Charles Grey. But never mind. <laughs> Went straight anyway. Up. Anyway, so yeah, my question is: before Noah gets to his theory, how does Bond know that's Blofeld when he appears? Hmm. He probably shouldn't, unless he's come across maybe a picture of him before. Well, I think um, it's kind of a recurring feature because. It also happened with Telly Savalas as well. Like, hmm. I but, but this, hold on, we like we also were wondering why Blofeld doesn't recognize Bond in the last movie. So 
maybe Bond himself has gone through a procedure to look like Lazenby, <laughs> and now has gone through a procedure to look like his original self. I, I like that they did go to the effort to explain it a bit, though, compared to Telly, where we were really trying to draw the straws and trying to figure out how um, he changed. But at least in this film, they did go to the effort of explaining that. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and and also, my question also goes into early 1970s plastic surgery techniques that involve mud. Like, what? <laughs> what does the mud help him? <laughs> yes. Is it like, you know, mud monsters moose your face? It's like clay? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm theorizing I'm glad to see that much. the Spectre mask unit is back, though, from, <laughs> from Russia with Love. It's glad to see that they weren't completely put out That's of business. That's how it is. That's, yeah. like, how they did it in, in from Russia with Love. Yeah. Anyway, no, uh, what's your theory? Sorry, I'm, I'm going on too much now. Well, uh, when I was watching this film... Um, like, we obviously have this opening sequence, and then you guys would notice that Blofeld really does not pop up until towards the end of the film, kind of like a Doctor No type thing. Uh-huh. Um, and this film, I don't think they ever mentioned Spectre once, do they? And it's no, not really no. a... There's nothing in this to suggest it's a Blofeld thing. Like, the plan is just a generic plan. So my thought was, would this film have been better if... They had this opening sequence, it wasn't quite as silly, and there was none of this face-changing thing. If they had the opening sequence, they had Telly Savalas in there, Bond kills Blofeld in the opening sequence, um, as I said, not quite silly, then we go cut to the uh, title sequence, and then instead of Blofeld, we have a different villain played by Charles Grey, like, just a generic villain name, John Bad Guy, like, so that this film is not even a Blowfield film. He So that the pre-title sequence is just like a mini film of Bond getting his revenge just to cover that aspect. And then the rest of the film is a completely different film with a different villain and he's got his revenge and that's it. Would that make or, Diamonds Are Forever a better film? I, I was going to say, and I know I touched on this a little bit on Under Majesty's Secret Service, maybe have Blofeld in the opening sequence and then have Irma Bunt as the villain in this one because she's the one who pulled the trigger on his wife. That's yeah, Blofeld drove the car. They had a bit of an issue with Irma Bunt, though. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, that's a good point, actually, because, if, yeah, if you think about that, like, it's kind of like he gets his revenge on Blofeld and then we move straight into the plot and then we don't realise it's Blofeld behind this until, yeah, like a lot later on in the movie. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a good film anyway, but, yeah, it it would be different, for sure. <laughs> That's... It would make For Your Eyes Only better. <laughs> um, well, I mean, one thing I should quickly mention, and my vast array of knowledge has improved since our last on Her Majesty's Secret Service, because I have uh, obtained a book called The James Bond Encyclopedia. That's right, he's reading you now. You can read listeners. now. <laughs> I know, I've learned. Um, it's a, I just, quick plug, um, get it. If you're a Bond fan, it's fantastic. It's by John Cork and Colin Stutz. Um, and they've updated it up until Skyfall, so I'm sure they might update it with Spectre when that comes out, but 
it's it's huge. It's like over 300 pages long. It's got so much behind the scenes stuff. And reading a lot about Diamonds Are Forever, and uh, um, this is obviously not you uh, things that have been brought out. I mean, the movie's been out for over 40 years, but um, they they brought when they brought this film out, it was all you know we've got to make this big. A lot of riding on the line here for the Bond franchise, and they originally planned to bring in Goldfinger's twin yeah. brother. As the evil person, so my Played question by Bert Frobe <laughs> would would this movie had been better if it was you know Bob Goldfinger <laughs> avenging, avenging the death of it, you know like Die Hard Three, you know like, we dodged what? a bullet so badly with that. So so we are all in agreement that it would have been shit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure they tried the same thing when they were developing the Spy Who Loved Me as well. So there there's just this affinity with Goldfinger's. The, the the idea of what would happen with Goldfinger's siblings, knowing that Goldfinger <laughs> was sucked out of an airplane. Uh, so, yeah, let's hope well, that they never you revisit. You hear the that. latest Spectre news of who they're bringing back. Um, <laughs> no, Mister hear- Bond, I expect you to be a kite dancing in a hurricane. I hear Jack Black is playing Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, for some reason he popped into my head as a good Goldfinger. <laughs> Matt Lucas from Little Britain. <laughs> I am the only Goldfinger in the village. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yes. <laughs> uh, after the pre-title uh, sequence, we have the title sequence, which <laughs> something again is just very off with this for me. For one thing, I don't know what? if it's the same on everybody else's DVD, but why does the screen shrink during this? This is the only title scene I know where it's like the the, the ratio of the screen actually shrinks a few inches when you're watching it, and I never understood why. Um, we have some scary eyeballs, some scary cats, and lots of very still shining diamonds. Great song. Um, I absolutely love the song. Couldn't have cared less about the title sequence. I didn't notice that, but I've also got a terrible TV that's quite small as it is, so um, maybe I've limited myself as it is. Um, I like the sequence. I like the diamonds and the pussies and everything that's in it. I like how it's kind of more black than some of the other ones. Um and as you said, the song is amazing. I think this is the best song up to this point, and that might be controversial because of Goldfinger. Um, but I just love the ding, 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 ding. I should never do songs. We learned that when I tried to do Mission Impossible. But the opening of it is just so, like, <laughs> mysterious, and and then you've got, like, uh, a great bass line in there. Boom, boom, boom. Ah, oh, I need to stop that. Um, <laughs> and you've got the, se- the 70s porn music in there as well. Um it's just, I absolutely love the song. I think it's the best uh, theme up until this point. Of course, not concluding ex- uh, boom da boom da boom da boom da <laughs> But I love everything about the song and the title sequence. I think they're both great. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice uh, what, Colin, you mentioned about the, sh- the shrinking bit. I didn't notice that. I, I l- fucking love the song. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, the, the title sequence, I'm a bit iffy on it. Like, it's a bit... Average. Um, we've got those fantastic late sixties, early seventies graphics of like a diamond. Um, they love <laughs> experimenting with those, and I, I do love um, constant use of pussy in the diamonds. That's cat. That is, um, and lots of nipples. Again, you know, I love my nipple references. Staple, in... staple for the intro. Yes, exactly. But um, I don't know. Like it's just a bit average. Like what's happening on screen? It's just, it's just you get taken away by Shirley and the song. So I think that kind of 
trumps what we're seeing. I, I have to say, I was Misandra's reading... Misandra's song. Well, yes, I, can I say this is a very anti-men song. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was reading on Wikipedia, it's got sort of talking about the soundtrack, and I read this like a while ago, and I couldn't wait to... I didn't know if you guys had ever read this, but John Barry told... Shirley Bassey, when she was singing mm-hmm. the song, to imagine she was singing about a penis. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, if with that in mind, when you when you read the lyrics, they are all I need to please me. They can stimulate, stimulate. and tease me. <laughs> Does she like have a special diamond dildo? Or something? <laughs> but oh, it's oh, it's such a good song though. Whether or not that's true or not, but. I, I do love the fact that, yeah, the most anti-med song I feel in the history of Jane's Bond, when you have, unlike men, the diamonds linger, men are mere mortals who are not worth going to your grave for. Thanks, <laughs> Shirley. <laughs> yeah, so are women, not, are women like vampires or something? They're immortal? They suck? Or... Oh, <laughs> hey, you said it. <laughs> With the, uh, the title sequence, the only thing I noticed is that we've, that done a lot of silhouettes up until this point i think with the exception of um some projection for you only live twice and uh goldfinger and this is kind of the start of let's just film you know regular images of you know somebody wearing diamonds a cat and things like that and there really wasn't that much silhouette the the title sequence was very similar to what was done in live and let die and i just think between the two of them it's it, it's hard to tell the difference except that Live and Let Die has skulls and this has a diamond in it. But I just I think the Live and Let Die one just plays so much better. Mm. I was watching this and it just it seemed like nothing was happening on screen. You'd get an image of something and it would just be still, and then you move on to another still image, and it just it, it was it seemed so boring to me. Yeah, I agree. I think the song just completely. Doesn't the song is yeah. The song is fantastic. I just just one thing on the penis note, just really quickly. <laughs> of hold course, we got to bring it back. Hold one up and then caress it, touch it, stroke it, and undress it. And undress I can it. see every part. Nothing hides in the heart to hurt me. We don't need love. There's also a story, and uh, it's been a while since I've heard this, so I can't remember that. Uh, one of it was either Broccoli or Saltzman. One of them was so opposed to this song. Um, like just absolutely hated the song and they kind of have to sneak it past them. Do, do either of you remember which one that was? Um, I'm just reading here. Harry Saltzman was said to strongly dislike the movie's theme song, believing its lyrics to be suggestive and largely a double entendre regarding the penis. Uh, the theme of the song was used in the assistance of Albert R. Broccoli. Yeah. So there you go. Well, mm-hmm. another... Canadian uh, sensibilities from Harry Saltzman, too <laughs> offended by undressing penises. Just, oh, I say eh, penises. Oh, no, eh. A completely unrelated fact that's kind of similar that I learnt from the commentaries is... Uh, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. The man at the end on the oil rig with the moustache who's working with Blofeld. Oh, oh God, I've got a lot to say on him. What's his name? Uh, Professor uh, something. I was... Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's the well, star of this movie. Just on that note, that uh, <laughs> Broccoli was so against this character and wanted him out of Mets. it. Dr. Metz. Yeah, and Guy Hamilton didn't want him out of the film, so he filmed all the shots with him in it, so it was impossible to edit him out of it. And, yeah, for some reason, Broccoli hated this character. Um, don't know why, <laughs> but that's just kind of related to the theme song as well, hating it. <laughs> Oh, he's the he's the star of this movie. 
yeah. moving on from the theme, uh, Bond is at one of his random briefings with M. Um, I thought this was the, the diamond briefing M's giving him. This was the most bored Sean Connery has ever looked in his life. I was wondering if he had just finished watching his performance in You Only Live Twice when he did this. Um, there's, there's a line that I really like in there, which I don't know if anybody else noticed, where M just says, the least we could expect from you is a little plain, solid work. It was like M was struggling to finish his sentence, and those are the only words he could come up with. M was uh, a huge douche. He's, May I remind you, Blofeld is dead. Like his wife just died. M. <laughs> Give him a break. Hey, he's got a liver problem. I know. I even made a note here that says, "Now that you've avenged your wife's death by killing Dicko Henderson, why not take some random assignment on diamonds?" Like, yeah, he's he's not really very sympathetic here. Um, M was so funny though with all the sherry stuff and that. He had lots of great faces here. Oh, he's rolling his eyes like <laughs> I know I'm jumping ahead when it's like we do work without you, and he rolls his eyes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Love it. Sorry, jumping ahead. And uh, we also have a, a nice cool montage of the um, uh, the the whole diamond smuggling operation, which is one of the things I really liked that was different in this movie that we didn't see before. And that leads into Winton Kid and Scorpions, so a lot of ground to cover. But uh, this section of the movie, I'm still enjoying it. I'm finding it kind of quirky, uh, not too campy, like in uh, what we're going to see later on in the movie. And introduction of Winton Kid and the Scorpion Death, I actually really like that one. Um, yeah, I never bored with any of this. It moves at such a lightning pace. Um, it's funny. I love M's thing, and I love uh, refreshing to see there is one subject you aren't an expert on. Um, it's quite <laughs> good, and all the sherry stuff. Um, and M has a bad liver. <laughs> uh, Sir Donald uh, disappointed that we didn't have uh, Smithers back. That was I would have liked to have seen a return from him if we're talking about bringing Goldfinger back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of really unique. The uh, Smithers, uh, no, not Smithers, Donald, <laughs> um, talking talking over the top with the briefing and then us seeing clips of it. Like, you never really see anything like that prior to this and then after it. It's quite unique, um, but I like it. I think it makes it a bit more interesting when we're seeing uh, funny African guys smiling really wide um, smiles. That was good. Um, Wind and Kid. I just got to point out here, the soundtrack for this film is one of the best of any Bond film. And like that creepy music with Mr. Uh, with winter kid, like there, I guess it's the winter kid theme. Um, I don't think that's how it went, but (laughs) (laughs) oh, sorry. Hang on a minute. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess I'll just, we'll talk about them more. I'm sure. But winter kid, People call them un-PC in all this business. I think they're some of the greatest henchmen of all time, up there with Jaws and Odd Job. Like, when we do the rankings of the henchmen, they will be in the top ten, maybe top five. I absolutely love Winter Kid. They're, like, so freaky and, like, um, you never really see them with Blofeld, but they're really tough henchmen and just lingering in the background, uh, not like Diamonds. And just the scorpion thing, we have an over-the-top Mary death there. The, ah! When he dies from the scorpion. Um, and then I love the helicopter exploding. And Wind and Kid, I've just written here in my notes, quote machines. Everything they say is just a great quote. Um, so I absolutely love these henchmen. 
And when we get to our 70s wrap-up one, I definitely think they're up there as contenders for the best for the decade. Yeah, I just will start off in reverse and agree with everything that Noah said. I fucking love Winton Kid. They are so great. And since, uh, and I'm, I'm going to steal Colin Sunday. Actually, no, I'm not going to steal Colin Sunday. Colin, who did your wife uh, think they reminded uh, her of? <laughs> what she said was that Winton Kid uh, were reminded her of uh, gay versions of <laughs> Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber in a bad <laughs> 70s porno movie. <laughs> <laughs> since since I heard that, I can't get that out of my head now. <laughs> we the saw we, is... we were out. We, hold on, we were out uh, the other day and we saw um, a copy of Dumb and Dumber or something like that at Walmart. <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, look, it's those Bond guys." And I'm like, "What?" And I didn't know what movie she was pointing at. And she was pointing at Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> they get so criticised for being un PC and all this business, though. But when you watch the documentaries, the actors say that they did not play it in any certain way. They just played it as if it's them being creepy henchmen and then occasionally holding hands and looking at each other, but they were not, like, playing up to over-the-top stereotypes or anything like that until the very it, end of the film. How is it... Un- I don't get that. Like, I mean, you only really get a couple of bits where they're gay anyway, don't you? Like, the holding hands and the bit where he's, like, saying, oh, she's attractive for a lady. <laughs> like, it's not like they're playing up to stereotypes. Or I, they're, gr- they're just, they're just creepy. The opposite. But they're, they're creepy, and that's what's so good about them as, as henchmen, you know? I mean, they're no Hans. I mean, like, it's they've got they've got something there, and, like, it's creepy when you just see them, like, peeking through the, the curtain of a plane, or they're on a cruise ship. You're like, oh, shit's about to go down. Like and Their chemistry is just so... They play off each other so well. And I love the way they just keep referring to each other as Mr. Kid, Mr. Wind. Like, it's just so, like, it's it's awesome. And the whole Scorpion, ah, death and the the helicopter and just, you know, it's it's just... Do we have, uh, just to kind of butt in, do we have a favourite Mr.? No, I think they're both without each other. It's, yeah, it's well, like... you can't really have them without each other, but I quite like Mr. Kid because uh, I feel like Mr. Wind is like the dominant one and Mr. Kid's just there along for the ride making these funny <laughs> lines and always getting in trouble. So I like Mr. Kid. Um, I think that um, Winton Kid, for whatever reason, especially considering one of them wasn't even an actor, these seem to be the only ones in the movie for me that get what Guy Hamilton was probably trying to do. And maybe it's because they're the only other ones on acid. I don't know. But (laughs) they played this like there's something going on in this movie where the acting is so bad that it's like morbidly bad. And that's just the style I think Guy Guy Hamilton wanted to go for. Like really over the top, really campy, really bad. And everybody else in this movie just plays it like a bad actor. Whereas Winton Kidd, they're playing it like we're going to do this very unsettling, bad acting style that's going to come across creepier. So I do agree. I think that they're very creepy villains. And one... uh, I don't think they're as good as the henchmen in Live and Let Die, which is another movie I'm not that big of a fan of, but I love the henchmen in it. But uh, overall, I think they really help this movie because they get it. I think Mr. Kid reminds me of um, one of the guys from um, Mythbusters. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He is quite like him, isn't he? <laughs> um, just, just quickly on the I whole... I that version of Mythbusters starring Mr. Winton Kidd. Well, they did a Bond special, didn't they? Did they bring up Mr. Kidd at all on the Bond? Yeah, they would be they better They probably hosts. should, though. Send the email to them. <laughs> yes. Um, and just on the whole M briefing, I mean, I don't have a whole lot 
to say. I, I do like the little montage bit though, and yeah, the smiley Africans. That's um, that's funny. And um, I, I noted down here that Connery sounded extra Scottish in the this whole briefing. Like I don't know if he'd you know, caught all that extra Scottish from a couple of episodes ago <laughs> and they really brought it out for He's like, I am Scottish! But um, that's the only extra thing I've got to add for that whole scenario. Um, following the sequence with Winton Kid, uh, we're introduced to the school teacher, which is involved in the diamond smuggling operation. I wasn't sure if this was the same granny with the machine gun from Goldfinger. <laughs> um, Guy Hamilton has a thing for very sinister grannies, apparently, if uh, Martine Beswick was um, Terrence Young's mistress, I was wondering if this was Guy Hamilton's mistress. <laughs> um, so there's basically the whole plot, and this is something that you know comes from the novel, is that there's this guy, Peter Franks, that's involved, like a low man on the totem pole in a diamond smuggling operation, and Bond's just supposed to assume his identity. So we have a couple of scenes involving that. We have, again, showing the school teacher's place in this diamond smuggling operation, we have Bond taking on Frank's identity. There's a little bit of money penny on the scene there, uh, wanting a diamond. Uh, then we get into the, the best hovercraft scene in any movie involving hey! James Bond hey! franchise. <laughs> so let's cover those scenes before we get to the meeting of Tiffany Case, assuming uh, Frank's identity. Uh, these are kind of, I mean, aside from the granny, which again is one of those moments where it's like, it's so bizarre, it's kind of funny. Um I don't even care for the money penny scene in this one. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love that gasp. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I really like Mrs. Whistler, or a.k.a. the granny, um, <laughs> just because none of these smugglers you'd expect, if you saw all uh, four of these people walking down the street, like you wouldn't suspect anything from Mrs. Whistler or Wint or uh, Frank's... Um, Kid, maybe that's a different story, but um, <laughs> so I love that we've got this, and it's only a small scene, but it's great to see Winton Kid uh, playing off with her, and then I love the death scene, even though you so see her moving when we pull her up um, from the water. Um, but I, I really enjoy that scene. I think you're crazy not to like this money penny scene. I think this is brilliant. I love that, like they weren't that she wasn't originally in the script, but they're like, all right, we'll chuck her in here. Um, and it's probably the last great money penny scene. I think she does so well, and I love her kind of yelling as Bond Bond drives off, uh, bringing back a diamond. Yeah, I, I I would be interested to know why you don't like it because I think everything that happens in it is fun. It's so quick, like it feels like a scene they just threw in at the last minute. It's so quick. The only memorable part is the thing about the diamond. Um, Sean Connery doesn't even seem to care that you know he's doing a money penny scene in this movie, like. I'm not going to criticize Connery throughout the whole thing because I said even back in You Only Live Twice that I think that Connery had much more enthusiasm for Diamonds Are Forever than he did You Only Live Twice. But early in this movie, it's just like he couldn't have cared less, it felt like. And I didn't know if they shot it in sequence, but obviously these scenes, you know, not being in Las Vegas yet, they they shot all at once. And it's just the scene's so insignificant to me. And I, I don't really, it doesn't make sense to have Money Penny on the scene here either. Like, why, she's M secretary. Like, what is she doing, sitting there? You know, allowing Bond to cross the border. Like, nothing about the scene makes sense, and it's so quick and meaningless. 
Well, we have seen Moneypenny uh, jumping off trains and shooting people and everything <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, I, I like the quickness of it because it keeps me interested. And this whole entire first act of the film is quite um, just it's fast and you can still keep up, but it keeps the pace going. It doesn't drag like Thunderball. You only live twice. So I enjoy it. Um, that, but that's pretty much all I've got to add. And hovercraft, bit random, but I guess that's how they got across the the channel in those days. I have to say, Money Penny looks hot in a <laughs> uniform, and I don't usually say that about Lois Maxwell. But um... you, in the last movie, you were saying, "Is this where Money Penny lost it?" <laughs> <laughs> well, she she gains it back in a in a nice little military uniform. Maybe it's just the uniform. But um, I personally like the money penny scene. I I won't join in the argument by saying too much about it. But I I just love the little interaction when she's like a diamond on a ring, and then when it's like, would you set off for a tulip? Yes. <laughs> like she could have said, would you set off for a pile of dog shit? Yes. <laughs> Like, um, but back to, just going back to the whole um, M, you know, Donald Bond scene. I mean, we get the eye roll, and I've written down here, we do function in your absence, Commander. Eye roll. Um, but I absolutely love the bit where Bond's like, I've always wanted to go to South Africa. You're going to Holland. <laughs> like, shut down. No. Like, M is fucking mean to Bond in this movie. <laughs> um, well, and- his wife just died, or he should be uh, focusing more. M's liver condition makes him a prick. Um, and I just want to say, no, this is not the greatest hovercraft scene in the history of <laughs> Bond movies featuring diamonds. There's no shooting and blowing up and hanging on a, a pole and saying, save by the bell, and that allows me to Play this. Yeah, die another day reference. No. Shove it up your butt. <laughs> the end. Move along. <laughs> oh, we're going to cover this next scene all at once, even though there's so many connected scenes. But uh, this is one of the scenes that I actually think plays really well in the movie, despite being a character I couldn't care less about. Bond meets <laughs> Tiffany Case. Um, so many good one-liners from Connery in this scene. Uh, really couldn't care less about Tiffany. I mean, such a great character in the book and such an insignificant character in this movie. Don't even know why she's there half the time. Mm-hmm. for her throughout. She's in a bunch of wigs. That's kind of a funny introduction. I wonder why she's changing them, though. Um, uh, she takes his fingerprints, and some of the best lines from Connery come from this scene, though, where he... Uh, 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 where she comes in, he's like, oh, well, that's quite a nice little bit of nothing you almost are wearing. I approve. Um, <laughs> providing the collars and the cuffs match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good introduction scene here. So um, I'll reserve some of my criticism for Tiffany later on, but uh, I-, I like the scene overall. Uh, yeah, I have to say, you're lucky you're in Canada, Colin, because yeah, you're, you're making uh, me quite mad with your hatred for... T- she could be potentially in the top ten when we rank them. Are you kidding? Tiffany Case is an amazing Bond girl. I love every scene she's in, except for maybe the end of the film. It gets a bit silly then. You stupid she, twit. She just has so much screen presence, and I like that she's in a lot of scenes, and she's also in a lot of scenes that don't involve Bond, so she can hold her own uh, without Connery being there. But she plays a big part in this film. I like that we've kind of... We talked about that femme fatale in uh, 
Fiona, but I like that we've got uh, that she's not just this damsel in distress and she's not a good girl. Like, she even mentions at one point, they could still chuck me in the slammer. Like, she's a bad character. Like, But Bond's still joining forces with her um, for the greater good. Um, I love her. She's so funny. She's got so many great scenes, and I don't want to talk about them all at once, but it blows my mind how people don't like Tiffany because she's hilarious. Um, you said it right there. People don't like, like I even, I was wondering if maybe I was in the minority. So I started looking for all the best list of Bond girls. And at best you find her somewhere in the middle where people don't care. I mean, if you look on Wikipedia, almost every criticism of the movie comes down to how bad she is and uh, how, how, what are some of the things here? Um, uh, beautiful but shrill and helpless, one of the least effective Bond girls. I mean, ugh. what? She she <laughs> is only helpless at the end of the film. For the rest, she holds her own. Ha- she doesn't do anything in the second half of the movie. <laughs> uh, parking at the petrol station, to... blocking people, uh, getting well, the yeah, diamonds. Nobody else could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever I could do, what Honey Rider did. Do not compare Honey Rider to <laughs> Tiffany Chase. Um, <laughs> why don't you like her? I'm very interested in this too. I'll let Ben have his opinion before I get into it a little bit more. Oh, don't let me stand in the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, I I like this whole scene. Um, I feel like I'm in the middle here, and I'm more on Noah's side. But anyway, um, I love the line you mentioned it, Colin. The whole collars and the cuffs, like <laughs> that is so inappropriate, but it's hilarious. And oh, like I, I, you, I think said it perfectly, Colin, when you're saying that. I mean, people say Connery looks bored in this movie, but he's, like, having fun by saying lines like that. And I love the fact when he's like, weren't you a blonde when I came in? I tend to notice things like that. <laughs> like, well, don't most people? Like, if you meet someone, they leave the room and they come back and their hair's different colour. Like, I don't care much for redheads. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he hates red, he hates rangers. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's a great introduction and the fact that he's playing up Franks, Peter Franks. Um, you know, he's still gonna say it like that even when he's playing up. <laughs> doesn't quite his... have the same ring to it, does it? Yes. Um and I, I mean it's it's I'm jumping a gun. Actually no, I won't go into the qubit because I think that qubit we need to talk about separately. I want you to have your little debate. I just want to point out really quickly, I like Tiffany Case. Don't know if I'd put her in the top ten. I don't know if she's that good. But I, I'm a fan of Tiffany Case. I love the fact, and I've just read this, that the actress who plays her, Jill St. John, and I'm going to say this now because we might not get to this throughout the um, the episode. She's still with us. Good on you, Jill. She's uh, 75, still going strong. She turned into a bit of a chef. She had uh, many cooking segments on shows such as Good Morning America. Um, and she's currently married to Robert Wagner, who, of course, is a very esteemed actor. But, of course, many people would know him as playing number two in the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> so how would that go for conversations around the Jill St. John Robert Wagner? I was a Bond girl. I was in a Bond parody film. Anyway, that's just my random thought. On to the debate between Colin and Noah. Well, I want to save more of the debate for later on because I don't really have criticisms of her in this early scene other than the fact that maybe this will start another debate. I don't find her attractive at all. I think she's probably the least attractive Bond girl we've seen so far. Um, Other than that, this is where I like her because the book is 
I think, and keep in mind, I haven't read Spy Who Loved Me or Man with the Golden Gun, which are generally considered the worst, but I think Diamonds Are Forever is the weakest of Fleming's books. And the one thing that really works in is Tiffany Case is such a good character. She is, one thing you said, Noah, that really made sense earlier on was how, uh, you know, like the, the granny and uh, Witten Kid and Tiffany, I mean, these aren't who you'd expect for diamond smuggling. And Ian Fleming wrote about that in the book, that these types of characters, this is what you would see. It, it's important that you not be noticeable and you not look sinister or anything like that. And in the book, she really has the upper hand the whole time. Uh, I like her at this point where she's kind of leading him along because she knows what she's doing and he doesn't. But then halfway through the movie, it's just like, get rid of her. Like, they could have pulled an Aki and just dumped her and brought somebody else in. Not that they should have dumped Aki, but the same thing. They could have replaced her with a different Bond girl, and she just becomes ridiculous. Ugh. But can you not say that for two-thirds of the girls, though, that you could replace with a different character and it wouldn't have no. been anything? No! <laughs> <laughs> no! Well, like, no! Like, would it really affect it if Pam Bouvier died halfway through the Well, film? I'll have criticisms for her, too, but uh, at least you had another decent Bond girl backing it up. Like, this is the only Bond girl in this movie. I know people think that Plenty O'Toole is a Bond girl. She has, like, three lines. I mean, she's in about... But a they're minute. great three lines! But she's not a Bond girl, as far as well, I'm concerned. Well. This is the only Bond girl we have in the movie, and she could have been dumped halfway through. I I just love that she's a femme fatale and that she, she is tough. She was for half the movie. <laughs> yeah. Plenty, plenty O'Toole, I just want to say... She's getting the... into Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm defending my woman plenty. She's the Paris Carver of this movie. Leave her alone. Oh, you didn't help your case there, Ben. <laughs> I don't care. I love me plenty. Plenty Carver. <laughs> um... um... We'll talk more about Tiffany, but I, I really do like Tiffany Case. I like that she's tough and that she's funny and she's also attractive, so I like her. I don't know. I, I, I would agree with Colin that I don't know if she's that attractive. And there I feel a bit like I don't... I, I, people probably laugh at me saying this. I don't really like talking about, you know, because the Bond girls, look, are there for that, but they're also there for a lot more, and I, I don't want to just talk about women in this podcast purely based on looks. But, what did you yeah. just say about plenty? Hey, that's different. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't find, as much as I do love me some Tiffany Case, I don't find her overly attractive. Um, we're going to jump from this scene because after <laughs> this, Bond meets up with the real Peter Franks, who is broken out. We don't really know why. Uh, something that's not in the book, but something that I think is improving because as I said, the book just kind of goes on and on and on. And I like the idea that Frank's comes out and this fight scene in the elevator, uh, <laughs> maybe second only to the train fight in from Russia with love, at least up until this point, I love the elevator fight. Uh, again, so much of the weird comedy here, Connery uh, doing a fake accent. You wonder why Sean Connery <laughs> couldn't do an accent in any of his other movies. He's the oh, only Scottish. Hey, Mex- He's a Scottish Mexican <laughs> in Highlander. He's uh, a Scottish um, uh, New York police cop in Untouchables, but he could do uh, uh, Scottish what did, what was the body? Yeah. Uh, uh, who, who is your floor? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who is, uh, you English? Yes, I speak English. Who is your floor? <laughs> I just want to say before we begin the scene, uh, I wasn't sure where to drop this in, but I think it's important to mention like 
we said, with the exception of Roald Dahl, every Bond movie of the classic series, Richard Maybaum had a hand in writing it. And for this one, the studio at least was very demanding. They wanted this to be Americanized in a lot of ways. Because I guess even if they had had success with Honor Majesty's Secret Service overseas, not so much in America. They wanted an American Bond. They wanted the movie to have an American feel. So in the end, they kind of compromised. They brought on a writer named Tom Mankiewicz, who'd go on to write the first two Superman movies. Um, brings a very American feel to this, especially in the comedy. Like, the comedy is a huge change in this. And it's a lot less classy now, uh, but kind of has a bit of a shock value to it. And I think things like this, like, with like who is your floor and uh, <laughs> him making out with himself. I mean, Tom was <laughs> definitely brought an American feel to this, but it was something that was kind of... A welcome change as far as the just where the was jw pepper <laughs> yeah no let's not get into that yet i'm a diamond smuggler <laughs> get your pointy hat away from my diamonds <laughs> uh yeah you said second to the train fight i would absolutely agree best hand-to-hand fight and there's something about the close quarters fights that just make it so good um i love everything they do here um so good. Uh, I love that M talks about how they can function without him, and yet Bond gets a call saying Franks has escaped, and no one's done anything about it. They just let him escape. Like, well, in all, in how all good fairness, is security at MI6. In all fairness, Q did say, "Oh, M was trying to get a hold of you for something." Like, don't you think they would have said, if James Bond calls in, tell him Peter Franks is coming from <laughs> And why Q? Like, oh, here's your briefing, Bond. Uh, I'm just the gadget guy, but I'll tell you everything. <laughs> and it's just like, how did he escape? He must be a pretty damn good diamond smuggler if he escapes from the British Secret Service. <laughs> so that's just ridiculous, considering M said that they can function without him. Um... Yeah, as I said, the bomb making out with himself and being Danish is hilarious. The fight, you summed it up, is perfect. One thing that really does irk me about this film, even though it's almost a classic line or an infamous line, <laughs> you just killed James Bond! Oh. <laughs> Come on. Like, he's that well known of a spy that Tiffany Case knows who James Bond is with well, his Playboy credit card. Remember that. Oh, yeah. She she was in Hong Kong at the time. Uh, She saw the papers. Um, (laughs) And then the cool diamond and the chandelier is a nice little twist. But up until this point, this film is just so good. And all these scenes, even though it's a bit goofy in some bits, is just really classic Bond in my eye. Just want to really quickly point out, because I'm ashamed that neither of you mentioned it, you briefly brought Q, but this is the first of many Q gets left alone scenes in this movie. This happens about three times, and poor old Q gets ignored. And I love fucking Desmond Llewellyn's acting when Bond just, like, buggers off. And he's like, hello, hello, are you there? (laughs) Grumpy old Q. Anyway, um... Yeah, the this is a great fight scene. I would agree exactly with both of you that it is second best only to From Russia and Love Train. Um, there's, there's there's tension. The music is fantastic. I've written here, and I'm not going to do it. Actually, no, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I've written here music. Do 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 d. Well, just on the music as well. I love the use of the theme when Bonds with Tiffany in the. Mm. Like, you know, the 70s porno music kind of stuff they have playing from the Diamond theme. I love that use. 
It's it's so great, and I love the bit when he's there with the fire extinguisher, and then when he throws him off the side, he's so angry, he throws the fire extinguisher down on top of him. But the the one thing, like we're mentioning about the whole, like, my God, you just killed James Bond, and is that who it is? But, like, if he's so well-known, and clearly <laughs> Tiffany was in Hong Kong, how the fuck did Franks not know it was him? Like, if everybody in the world knows, ooh, killing James Bond's a big deal, Franks has just escaped from the British Secret <laughs> Service... Bond is their poster boy. How did he not know that this random, creepy Danish guy, who, yes, I speak English, like, how does he not know that that's fucking James Bond? Because he had an accent. Connery never does accents. <laughs> right, he was that good with the accent. Like, hey, that guy looks like, oh, no, it can't be James Bond. He's Danish. <laughs> yeah. Classic Peter Franks. But, yes, to sum it up, I agree. I agree, too. Um... You mentioned the the diamonds are in the chandelier. Um, half of this movie is just following this diamond pipeline. Uh, there's a lot of scenes here. We find out they're smuggling diamonds in a coffin for his dead brother. Uh, does Peter Franks have uh, a name for his brother? Um, we don't really Bert. find out. You'd want to make up a name, Bert. Bert, Bert Mildred. Uh, Bert. Uh, Peter Hunt. Franks. Peter, Peter Hunt. Hunt. There we go. <laughs> They, they share first, but they're brothers, but they share first but not last names. Um, Thanks for that, Ben. <laughs> I had to put it in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got the coffin smuggling. We have the introduction to the new Felix, uh, which I- I'm not going to steal the thunder here. I'll let you guys talk about the the new Felix first. But um, then we go to the funeral parlor and uh, a couple of scenes. Bond mourning his brother's death, uh, getting knocked <laughs> on the head by Winton Kid. Which shows, makes you wonder later on if Bond is such a good spy. He walked right past Winton Kid right before he got knocked in the head. Why did he not remember them when they showed up on the ship later on? I don't know. Uh, and then he gets thrown into a burning coffin and makes a quick escape. Um, kind of fun scenes here. Uh, again, an improvement over the book where he just smuggled the diamonds inside of golf balls and. When he went through customs, they're just like, oh, okay, uh, what, what do you shoot? Uh, and he makes something up and just gets by. So I, I like the whole funeral scene. It's something a little bit different. Seeing Bond burning alive, um, one of those things that you never get sick of, I guess. Uh, overall, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> overall, uh, pretty decent set of scenes here. Uh not really significant as far as the plot goes at this point, I don't find. I think this was where the film kind of gets starts to take the goofy turn. Um, a lot to cover in those bits you said, but uh, he must have got Frank Nietzsche or something, because uh, um, yeah, that, I never noticed that, but I guess that is a plot hole. Um, I always forget this is Felix every time, and oh, there's Felix. Uh, He's no Jack Lord. That's my catchphrase for this podcast. Um, it would have been better with Jack Lord. But at the same time, this guy is better than Cesspool Linda and Rick Van Nuthead. So um, I think we've finally got a decent Felix. He's a bit old and a bit bland, but I, I think he does the job all right. Um, elementary Dr. Leiter. Um, I think that is a British reference that, I didn't get. Um, does anyone have any light on it's that? It's from Sherlock. No, he well, says Sherlock a- elementary, from Sherlock not elements. No, oh. but the line, if you have the subtitles, is 
not elementary, it's alimentary, Dr. Liza. What does alimentary mean? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, the whole passage along which food passes through the body from mouth to anus it includes the softest <laughs> stomach and intestines. Well, it's no, the mud. It's the mud. It's um, the mud from the opening scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, could you quote that line again? I'm really more confused now than I was before. <laughs> I think the subtitle writers just spelled it wrong. Um, <laughs> Why was this line not reserved for retrieving the uh, navel jewel from Man with the Golden Gun? Like <laughs> that would have been more appropriate. <laughs> Um, and then we have the gangsters, and this is kind of a nod to the novel because the bad guys in the novel are gangsters. There's no Blofeld or anything like this. Um, one line <laughs> had me cracking up. Um, we also should mention he was in L.A. just for a short time. But I've been to L.A., the one place I've been to in a Bond movie. Yeah, one line that really and caught me is, <laughs> I got a brother. <laughs> <laughs> Small world. <laughs> this whole, like, such stereotypical gangsters, um, and I was so laughing at that. And then you didn't mention the name of the funeral director. <laughs> Morton Slumber. Like, you have to wonder, did he uh, get into the funeral uh, business because his name was Slumber? Or, like, yeah, what um, else it's was he going to do with a name like that? Yeah, it's kind of like Goldfinger. Did Goldfinger like gold because his name was Goldfinger, or is he called that because he likes gold? It's the chicken and the egg situation with this Morton Slumber guy. At two careers, funeral director or pediatrician, which one do you think he would pick? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I have to say that's not one of the goofy things I like about this film. I thought that was a bit stupid, Morton Slumber. I absolutely love the uh, the burning scene. I've always liked it since I was a kid. It's been one of my favourite scenes. And like the Felix, I always forget how this ends. And then, of course, the simple ending is they just get him out. But it's such a dramatic scene. And I kind of wish it went for longer. It's really good. And then you have <laughs> some of the worst acting ever. With, These are phony diamonds. Like, it's just horrible. <laughs> but, yeah, still up to this point, I'm loving this film. It, it takes a really silly turn. But everything here I love, especially I got a brother. <laughs> you two are sadistic pricks. You like saying Bond getting burnt in a coffin like Jesus. It's a um, great scene. Is it a bit of a, I don't know, I shouldn't say plot hole, but this whole this whole plan relies on the death of Franks. If Franks didn't escape from <laughs> British Secret Service, how do they get the diamonds to Los Angeles, as it's um, said? Like, is that a question that we should be trying to answer? Well, I'm not sure um, what you're asking. What? Well, they, they they smuggled the the diamonds with the body, right? Yeah. So if Franks isn't dead, so if Franks doesn't show up to Bond when and Bond kills him, so that's a good way of getting the diamonds into oh. America. So mm. if Franks is still in British intelligence, being held prisoner like he should be, how do they get the diamonds into America? This is again where um, I have more of an issue with Tiffany Case because th- th- she had so much character development in the novel. She was really the one good thing about that book. And you don't get any of that here, really, because in the book, Bond, when he shows up at her apartment, he has no idea how they're going to smuggle the diamonds. That's kind of what she specializes in. And she just sort of asks him a bunch of questions about himself and what he knows about. And then she determines, okay, well, you know, do you know anything about golf? And he's like, yeah, it's like, all right, well, we'll try golf balls. So I would assume, again, if it's based on the book, that after he died, she's like, okay, well, this is the, what the plan is going to be. And she kind of came up with it based on that. 
Right. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad you guys have read the books because I haven't, and I was just you're still working on your encyclopedia. Yeah, I'm still on my encyclopedia. Okay. So they didn't I'm, have I'm... that in the encyclopedia. No, <laughs> they don't really mention. Oh, they do mention the books. Um, but yeah, I, I love the the random um, plain staff who have no sympathy whatsoever for the fact that Bond's <laughs> lost his brother. Oh, there's just the things that I just want to say to him. Yes, with deeper sympathy, get on the plane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They don't give a shit about Bond. Um, we didn't mention Winton Kid. Well, we kind of mentioned it earlier. When they, you know that she's quite attractive <laughs> for a lady. Hey, 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 hey! Like I can't do that laugh justice. But oh, fucking love his laugh there. Um, I quite like random Felix. Um, He's not Norman. Bad. Norman Burton. Um, he is no David Hedison. He's my favourite Felix. Not that anyone cares about my favourite Felix, but um, he, you know, he's he's not too bad. And I I love the whole the funeral scene and you know the burning and all that sort of stuff. Hey, I'm sadistic too. But like, this is one of the. There's a few moments in this film where Bond kind of seems like he knows he's going to die. Like, and if he doesn't get assistance then he's fucked. Like, you know, the elevator later on when he's about to get crushed and luckily it just stops. And this one, he's kind of, he just, there's just a moment there where he's like, oh, well, fuck, I'm about to die. Okay, then, bye, Bond. And then he gets pulled out at the last minute. I love the fact that how quick it is when they burn Frank's body, they put that in the oven, they burn it, and within, like, two minutes, they've got an urn. Like, I realise it's with diamonds and it's not really with his ashes, but that is the quickest funeral agency in the world. And yet, when Bond is in the box, like, if that was Frank's body, he'd already be in an urn. But for some reason, he survives a little bit longer. Uh, and we, 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 we've got to mention, we get introduced to the man, the legend, that is Mr. Shady Tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, and, that and line. Shady Tree could not, yeah, he could not have come out on a better line than, you dirty double-crossing limey fink. <laughs> he just looks like he... These damn diamonds are phonies! <laughs> he just, like, he's just, everything about him is awesome, and the fact he's a stand-up comedian, he's been doing it for 40 years, God, the 1970s, 60s, 50s, and 40s must have been unfunny times if he's, like, their number one stand-up comic, <laughs> hasn't changed his material for that long, and he's still got a job, Jesus! Um, one other question I had again, I don't know if it's so much a plot hole or if anybody agrees, but, or if Wint and Kidd are just kind of really bad assassins, but why did they turn the music on when they tried <laughs> to incinerate Bond? Like, again, this entire plan just depends on whether Bond's going to wake up or not, and they turn on some loud music to assist him in waking up, so... Um, but I guess at the same time, he wasn't going to get out on his own. Um, They're thoughtful. They they want him to die yeah. to music. <laughs> Listen to something while you die. Okay, Mr. Kid. Well, unlike Bond, uh, I think people were actually showing up for Peter Franks' funeral. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they had to make it seem real. Uh, after this, we get introduced to the White House, uh, one of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas at the time. We have, here it is for Ben, the introduction of Plenty O'Toole. Yes! The- 90 seconds of screen time that people think makes her a Bond girl. Um, you only need 90 <laughs> seconds with plenty and you're satisfied. <laughs> um, there's some really good lines in here, too. Again, the type of lines that I don't think you would have gotten, and this is nothing against Richard Maybaum, because I think that past this movie, the whole Americanized style that Tom Mankiewicz wrote in there didn't really work. But, like, the, what is this, a pervert's convention? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> named after your father, perhaps. Like, really good lines. And... Uh, the very confusing scene of Plenty's almost death, um, 
the the goons in Bond's room. Uh, whole shady tree on stage thing. A uh, couple of <laughs> things to talk about in there. Uh, I have again more confusion. I'll let you guys kind of give your theories first on why when Bond gets back to his room, are they so insistent that they want to take out plenty of tool, but Bond goes untouched? I don't know. Maybe I just miss something every time I've seen this movie. Hmm. Feel mm. like I have an answer for that. It's I had that written down. <laughs> it's just too, a feeling. Basically. It's not something he wants to elaborate on. <laughs> well, I feel like I can't think of it right now, but I feel like yeah, it's that... a random scene. I don't get it either. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Glad we touched on it. Uh, <laughs> Great. Double R seven. Getting we'll very in depth again. Famous Bond podcast there is. Uh, yeah, but I, I like this scene as well. There's some fun stuff in there. Um, I'm not sure if you guys noticed the the cards. Crabby guy um, couldn't talk properly at all. Like, how did anyone understand anything he was saying? Um, is that Connery with an accent? <laughs> well, fun fact: it, it actually was a casino worker who got. They got it wasn't an actor. He must have got stage fright or something. Um, you mentioned it, Colin. Named after your father, but <laughs> it's, not, it's so ridiculous. Um, and yeah, you said, "What is this? A pervert's convention?" <laughs> is that happening at the hotel, uh, the casino at the moment? The pervert's convention. <laughs> When your name is Plenty O'Toole, if you're if you feel there's a pervert's convention, maybe you had it coming. <laughs> what what is a pervert's convention? Feels like something that Bond would like to uh, take part in. Uh, I'll invite you to the next one I go to. Now, just keep going. <laughs> and I love uh, the comedy when she gets thrown in the pool. I have friends in this town, <laughs> but have to disagree with you. I think she is a Bond girl, and I think she's fun in the 90 seconds she's in, and she's ridiculous, but I think it adds a nice touch to the film, and of course, the gangster. I didn't know there was a pool down there. Yes. Yes. Great line. Maybe the line that cracks me up most in this movie, every single time I see it, I didn't know there was a pool down there. <laughs> uh, to answer your question before, I believe they thought Plenty O'Toole was Tiffany Case and Tiffany messed up, so they were getting rid of her because the diamond smugglers are getting killed. No, is that right? I'm not sure. Yeah, but then Tiffany wouldn't really be in fear of her life later on. And there's really nothing to state. I mean, it's a good theory, but then shame on Guy Hamilton for not actually explaining that. Yeah, I think that's a plot hole there. Okay. All right. <laughs> How do we clear that one up? Well, I've mentioned every single freaking second of the scene. I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it's my turn then. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, Shady Tree and his comedy. I touched on that before. Fantastic. <laughs> You've been a terrible audience. <laughs> Get lost. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love um, the the scene before Plenty meets Bond and there's that guy who's like, that's it, pussycat, I shut the whole world. Now that you come up to my room. <laughs> You're a great guy and all. <laughs> and Bond Sorry. in the white tux as well, the esteemed white tux. I, I, look, I, I 
she has to be a Bond girl purely on the fact that there's always got to be two in a movie. And who's the other ones? Bambi and Thumper? Because they're in it for longer. Like. <laughs> they're, they're in it for a lot longer. <laughs> but I, I guess my argument, going back to the Paris Carver situation, I mean, Terry Hatcher was billed as a Bond. She's in it for, what, three minutes and she's dead? Like, I think that you would put her up there. But I fucking love Plenty <laughs> I just, I think she is hot. I just want to point that out. And I love the whole introduction. I love the, hi, I'm Plenty. Of course you are. Plenty O2, named after your father, perhaps. <laughs> just like the perfect. She's got the dumbest face. Like She looks like the most clueless girl ever. She gets given, like, that's 5000 No, that's $50,000. Sorry, wrong bit. And then she gives him $5,000. You're a terrific guy. How about a drink? <laughs> you know what? Like, again, I think that Plenty could have been a fun character if she mattered to the movie but this was more like a cameo than anything else because the introduction like she kind of comes across like something got to leave it to beaver like this sexed up <laughs> version of a leave it to beaver sister or something where she's like <laughs> golly gee mister that's five thousand dollars thanks so much you're a swell guy you know okay. but like she's not a bond girl because she doesn't matter the plot we're scratching our heads as to why she's even killed and she's killed in her only other moment in the movie can I ask, is she more of a... Uh, is she in the book more? Is she in the book at all? She's not in the book. Right, okay, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> well, look, I love her, and that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> we well, get to... lo- ben loves his Plenty O'Toole, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we get to see her in underwear, and then, yeah, the perverts. I, I don't get that whole scene either. Like, I yeah, I... She's there, she gets thrown out the window. I do love the whole, I didn't know there was a pool there line. And then, like, they piss off. Like, And then, hey, look, Tiffany's on the bed ready to get fucked. Like, I don't get it either. It's it's a strange scene. I'd love somebody to go into more details about it. But being this, and this is not from the encyclopedia either, Mr. Knowledgeable Ben Waterworth here. There's a weird connection between these actresses and, and Robert Wagner and yeah. future Christopher Walken um, Bond villain. But um, to, to, to connect all this together, you're wondering where I'm going with this. Lana Wood, who is the actress who plays Plenty O'Toole, she was the sister of Natalie Wood, who, of course, famously died in the 80s on a boat. Um, that was had Christopher Walken and her then husband, Robert Wagner. Right. So Robert Wagner was married to, like, basically the two Bond girls in this this movie. Well, one sister and the other Bond girl. So anyway, that's a weird Kevin Bacon six degrees moment. You just of- killed plenty sister. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think and- honestly, like like you said, she's the sister of a very famous actress. Uh I think this was just a cameo and because nowadays people don't really know who she is or even know who her sister is or Robert Wagner or any of these people, people look back on this. They're like, oh, this must be the other Bond girl in the movie when it was probably always intended to only be a cameo, I feel. Well, in fairness, there are some deleted scenes with her. So a lot of her stuff did have to get, I think there's two. So that's at least two minutes of plenty. Oh, I need to get the two-disc version all of a sudden. After Plenty of Tools, not so much death. Um, we'll find out later on what her next great appearance is. Um, <laughs> we get to go to Circus Circus, which is basically, again, no real explanation as to why they have this whole setup with the diamonds and everything there. Um, but 
this is kind of that, that sequence where you have a lot of little fun things going on in here. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their favorite moment. We're not going to go through them all. Uh, there's Zambora, the gorilla girl. There's the <laughs> elephant playing the slots. My personal favorite is, uh, I just want to talk about this one, the uh, kids shooting balloon game uh, guy uh, rigging the game for... Um, I'm forgetting her name. I was about to call her Plenty. Uh, rigging the game for Tiffany. Uh, this is like some guy came out of a pervert convention just rigging games for women <laughs> to cheat children. <laughs> Which ends in the most bizarre one-liner I've ever heard in a Bond movie where Tiffany says to some eight-year-old boy, <laughs> Blow up your pants! <laughs> hey, that was an insult in 1971. That's why she's so good. <laughs> Tiffany is hilarious. Yeah, maybe. It just not. sounds like a comeback, like when you're fighting with like your brother or sister. Like you are, you are. Oh, you're fat. Oh, your face is a bowl of cabbage. A, if this was a more film, she would have squirted him in the face with the pistol. <laughs> Every single week, my nieces always say to me, "They're like last one there is smells like stinky bear socks," and now I'm always gonna <laughs> want to say to them, "Blow up your pants." <laughs> Bear socks? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, you mentioned everyone has their favourite moment. You basically mentioned everything, so I won't gel- uh, go over it all. But I love the elephant. <laughs> this is definitely a precursor to Roger Moore films. But <laughs> the fact that it gets three elephants in, <laughs> in the thing and they... <laughs> so happy with myself and coins coming out like I was I, it's something that I know I shouldn't be laughing at because I th- should be saying oh this is stupid but I was cracking up and I actually rewound it and watched it again because I was laughing so I, like I think this definitely the better elephant out of this and the man with the golden gun I so that's my favorite but but this whole scene is just lots of little Fragments of fun moments, but Elephant wins it for me. Ah, oh, this whole scene's fantastic. I just want to really quickly backtrack because I wrote down this specifically for me to mention because it's one of my favourite lines in the movie and the whole scene with Plenty O'Toole getting thrown out the window and all that sort of stuff when Connery's like, I'm afraid you've caught me with more than my hands up. Sorry, I just had to point that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Keeping the this- Danish end up, sir. <laughs> Uh, Bond gets laid too. There's a tick for that. We'll get to that at the end of the movie. But um, yeah, this whole circus thing's fantastic. The elephant, oh, it's just brilliant. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, Colin, with the whole scene with the little kid because I wrote that down and I I love it. The little kid when he's like, "The machine's fixed. I saw it. Who is she? Your mother?" (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what that kid is doing nowadays. Oh God, we interview him. <laughs> yes, all these other James Bond podcasts have like these big names. We get the kid who was told to blow up his pants. Did you ever blow up your pants? Were um, pants ever blown up? Here, his name is Gary Dubin. He's credited as Boy. <laughs> Born May fifth, nineteen fifty nine, which would have is made he, him twelve years old. Is he still with us? Uh, it looks like it is, yeah. Um, he's also appeared in, what do we have here? Uh, v, the TV series. Uh, Jaws 2, he played Eddie Marchand in Jaws 2. Oh, I've he's seen an established actor. Yeah. Jaws 2, that was better than Jaws 3. <laughs> Way better than Jaws 3. 
Um, the most recent thing he's done, uh, he did some voice work in the Aristocats. Most recently, in 2013, he appeared in Rock Barnes, The Emperor in You. Ah, uh, so overrated. Current occupation, Circus Circus. Now, the question <laughs> I have to ask you, Colin, can you find out his Kevin Bacon number? Oh. Uh, <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> I just want to point out, too, really quickly, that just to, like we mentioned in the On Her Majesty's Secret Service one, Noah brought it up, that the most racist moment in all of James Bond films, <laughs> and we discussed that. I think this oh, could I'm challenge back. it. Zambora, the girl who gets turned into a gorilla. Now, I'm putting that up as maybe the most racist racist moment in James Bond movies. That was quite disturbing to me. I think you're going to be alone on that. Uh, Noah, do you have an opinion on this before I go? Uh, I just say it's a random scene, but you go for it. Um, This is a thing they do in all types of uh, like circuses or whatever. Yeah. They're going to always turn somebody into an animal. Now, if you're looking at what's going to make a seamless transition, you have to look at the skin tone and what matches it. Would this be any different if they said, we're going to turn some white girl and all of a sudden she's the abominable snowman. She's a Yeti, you know? Uh, I just think it's Or just, a polar bear for Bond to get scared. Or a polar bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the polar bear wasn't racist. Here they're in Switzerland with all these blonde white people. I mean, I think it's just something they did and they probably good argument good they probably filmed yeah, I, it in real real place i think i think you won the argument there colin because i right. agree with everything you said but just based Sam purely on eating a banana as her natural habitat <laughs> well, food. well look i don't want to touch too much on this because we're not turning this too serious it's james bond racist podcast like it yeah i look i'll just shut up you won the argument good job colin move on <laughs> i do have an update here Uh-oh. gary dubin aka blow up your pants kid has a bacon number of two. He was Ooh. in 2004's Little Black Book with Julianne Nicholson, who was in Black Mass in 2015, still to come, with Kevin Bacon. There we go. All righty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Always got to just confirm that Kevin Bacon number, and we can sleep well at night. Are we done talking about the scene already? <laughs> I think we could talk more about it if you want to. I mean, there's I an elephant in the pokies. The circus, circus scene. It's quite long, but... It doesn't yeah. add overly much to the plot, except for it is fun. Um, next section of scenes to talk about. Again, uh, usually we could just group a lot of scenes together, but I feel like, again, for better or worse in this movie, so many of these scenes have memorable things to talk about on their own. We'll just try this again. Um, Bond shows up at a house, finds plenty in the pool again. Um, <laughs> why they dug her out of the first pool and then threw her into another pool at a different location, I don't know. <laughs> So he that finds from the deleted there. scene. Oh, okay. What was the deleted scene? I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, tell us about the deleted scene, Noah. Uh, you've put me on the spot, but I believe what I was alluding to before is I think they think she is Tiffany Case, so they kill her. <laughs> it's, it's, I haven't watched it in probably eight years or so, but that's from my memory of it. Okay, well, let's go with that for now as dumb as it's, it makes these villains uh, <laughs> so she's in the pool again tiffany uh shows up there bond kind of converts <laughs> tiffany here uh, why is, is my wig in the pool <laughs> <laughs> why is my mannequin in the pool i don't uh, like redheads <laughs> i think this is where the movie takes a turn for the worst as far as tiffany goes 
the plot's about to change here too, which is something that happened a lot in Guy Hamilton movies. Halfway through the movie, the plot becomes different. The diamond smuggling is kind of over at this point. They start following uh, the trail uh, into the desert. So I guess the two scenes to talk about here is plenty in the pool um, and the gas station thing, which is apparently the smartest thing that Tiffany Case can do in this entire movie <laughs> is shout out, keep leaning on that tutor and you're going to get a shot in the mouth. 1971 American insults, apparently. <laughs> Pull your pants off. Um, yeah. <laughs> I... There's not too much to add to the house scene. I, I do think the, the body in the pool looks quite gruesome. Um, and the the weak line's funny. Um, I don't know. I think the gas station scene is funny. I was laughing uh, at the people getting so angry at her and her bossing the guy around. I thought it was quite good. And at least Bond uh, sneaking in isn't as silly as You Only Live Twice, where he puts on the Scottish mask. Uh, face quarantine mask and just pretends to be Japanese dying man. So at least it's a bit better than that. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed this scene as well. It, it makes me laugh. I I like the fact that we get a plenty of tool wet T-shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was the, what did I say earlier? On this? It's not creepy at all that like she's dead. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a necro now. But I, I <laughs> said earlier on in this episode that I want to talk about women. Go back to the perverts <laughs> convention. <laughs> um, didn't mention Sean Connery getting a bit abusive again with women. Um, slaps Slapping, poor old yeah. Tiffany. Um, where's the stuff? Um, I love the whole petrol scene, like blocking her off. Oh, forget it, Curly. You had your chance. <laughs> like, 1970s trash talk. Oh my god! And I thought Live and Let Die had bad trash talk with Honky and, and all that sort of stuff. Too. <laughs> yes, but um, I, I love it. I think it was great, and I really don't have anything else to add there. I got my wet T-shirt mentioned, my slap mentioned, and my uh, curly mentioned. So let's move on. Uh, we move on now. Bond gets to fall because that that very uh brilliant distraction tiffany did i'm sure there was no other way bond could have gotten in the back of a vehicle without tiffany giving out bad insults uh we follow them into the desert to tektronics where bond assumes another identity this time of klaus hergesheimer from g-section why bond didn't do an american accent i don't know but he probably could have just played it Danish. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so radiation shields, I don't know what they are, but they're an important thing. Uh, Bond, my, my favorite part was uh, the professor, doctor, or whatever, uh, where he's like, uh, get out of here, you irritating man. Like, again, like, he's like, he's <laughs> never so heard bad. of the title Professor Doctor before. <laughs> yeah. My name is Professor Doctor Klaus. That's a new degree. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't Klaus, Vegas, was it? Yeah. Professor Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Bond kind of has a quick escape from Tektronics after being an irritating man, and we get to a moon buggy chase, which I don't know if you guys want to talk about on its own or group together, but, uh, uh, I think there's a lot to talk about, so maybe just the Tektronics scene first. Yeah. Um, like every other scene, I, I really enjoyed this too, I think Connery is so funny here, and how he tricks, uh, and I'm new here, and oh, sorry, um, and... <laughs> the line we're talking about stupid lines and, and stupid uh, insults when he goes through the astronaut training center and one of them says what the hell is this amateur night 
<laughs> Great insult. And uh, did I miss something? I don't want to jump to the moon buggy, but through the training center. Why were the astronauts walking so slowly? Why are the astronauts there, period, is my question. <laughs> like, like, they're sitting seemed- there about to develop this massive weapon. At, like, at, why do they have this astronaut training center? It's clearly where they record the moon landings because they're <laughs> fake. Hello? It just it, it, it seems so weird that uh, Bong can run completely fine, but then the astronauts are in slow-mo. <laughs> like, what? Um, but, yeah, Bond snooping around is quite funny as well, and Professor Dr. Metz getting angry at him, uh, him pretending to be Hergesheimer. And uh, just a fun little trivia I learnt from the commentaries is that uh, I think it was Hamilton, Guy Hamilton's, uh, what he called, what's him call it? Like the phrase that for a character, uh, that's what he called that. He called Hergemeshima. So uh, Mankiewicz put that in as a little uh, nod to Guy Hamilton, I guess. So a little random, terrible trivia there. I fucking love the whole interaction when he meets him and he's like, oh, G section, how are things down in G section? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. And then I love the bit where he's like, wait. Where's yours? Like, points to his thing. Oh, I haven't got one. I've been waiting for a couple of days. You should have given us a phone call. <laughs> I, I want to know what right. happens down in G-section. <laughs> like, G-section. I fucking love the whole interaction. But this is where Metz is the star of this film. <laughs> Professor <laughs> Dr. Metz. He's got the best lines. Like, yes, will you please leave, you irritating man. And he, he's just like, who are you? What do you want? I'll shoot to find. Now get out. <laughs> just like, will you get out? He's just going on. And then later on in the movie when he's with Blofeld. And he's just like, call them up. Tell them we surrender. He's just, he reminds me of all the, the gangsters from Goldfinger. Like, what's that map doing there? I don't like this. Get out. He's just hilarious. What is I this, fucking a merry-go-round? <laughs> No, we're not at Circus Circus anymore. <laughs> he must be like the worst employee to work with. Imagine him going to lunch. Would you like a, a sandwich? Sandwich? What sandwich? Get out of here. I don't want a sandwich. I want Hello, chip. Dr. Metz. It's <laughs> Professor Dr. Metz. <laughs> but um, this whole scene is just fantastic. And we get, we you know, obviously it's it's important later on in the film, but we see the random world's greatest marches tape. <laughs> and then, like, Connery's uh, Bond's all excited for it and everything. But, yes, I, I just love the fact that it randomly leads into, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, Colin, I'm not stealing your thunder, but how it gets to the, the moon buggy and the whole moon situation. I mean, did the writers of the film just sit down and go, okay, Potential ideas. Number one, moon buggy. We've got to fit it in somewhere. I don't care how, well, but we in, have got to get to it. In a semi-serious defense of them, um, these 70s Bond films, and we'll talk a lot more about it in the next two films and Moonraker as well, they have a thing for keeping up with the times, like Live and Let Die. This was the black exploitation uh, hype era, uh, era like uh, Shaft and all those films, so they did that. Then Man with the Golden Gun, they've got the Kung Fu Karate aspect. Moonraker was obviously the Star Wars thing. And 1971, this is coming off the uh, moon landing. This was like space crazy era. Everyone loved astronauts and rockets and that. So I guess it continues that trend or even starts that trend of sticking with the times and including 
pop culture, I guess you'd say, into the Bond films. So uh, a somewhat I'm... more serious answer to your moon buggy question. I'm not dissing the moon buggy. We're going to get to that now. I fucking love the moon buggy situation, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it, I, I see what you're saying and it makes complete sense, but in the way it's sort of introduced, because kind of going back to where we're talking about the whole plenty in the pool situation and that scene kind of like, hey, what's that point of that scene? Like, yeah, why do we randomly have astronauts in a moon setting, as you said, too, that we're like, walking really slowly like are they being told right no matter what happens you have to pretend you're in zero gravity even if a british secret service agent comes running at you you have to stay in character i'm gonna go with again guy hamilton was on acid the entire time he made this movie because this isn't the last random bizarre thing we're gonna see in this uh hello to bond and tiffany having sex on a fish tank uh this was just an acid trip gone wrong when they came up with this uh let's get to whatever uh hamilton's having (laughs) let's get to the moon buggy chase here um again it's a really fun scene even if it makes no sense at all like this moon buggy is the slowest vehicle on the planet yet nobody can catch them apparently uh i love guy hamilton has a thing for random henchmen shouting random things in the background, like when Goldfinger with a, the, uh, or what's with that trick pool table? And, oh, um, <laughs> here we have some great ones. Uh, hey, what do you think you're doing? It's gone berserk. There he is behind those rocks. Uh, I want to say, shouting. we'll be back. We'll be back with the dogs. Both be there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, the other thing I love about this is like this movie, considering they paid like we'll talk a little bit about it later on, but like they paid Sean Connery at the time such an astronomical amount of money that they seem to have no budget left for anything else because the walls the moon buggy crashes through are cardboard. Uh, Maybe if they spent a little bit less on radiation shields and more on drywall, they could have had some decent walls (laughs) and you wouldn't have escaped so easily. (laughs) But the moon buggy chase is kind of fun. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you look at the chase on its own, it's not going to work. You put him in a moon buggy, and it's kind of quirky and fun. Well, this scene gets criticized so much. Like when people say that Diamonds Are Forever is a bad film, they use this as an example of oh, Bond in a moon buggy. That's just ridiculous. It's so fun. Like, and it makes that terrible like seventies. Like moon buggy noise um, the whole time. It's just ridiculous. And I love the Nevada setting of it in the desert. It's so great. And they could have easily just done another boring old vehicle chase, but then they mixed it up and they had a moon buggy, and it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And I love the ATV guys coming out and then Bond getting on one as well. Um, so that's really fun. And then eventually getting into the car. I love this entire chase. Um, it's one of my favourite parts of the movie. I love Moon Buggy, and I will defend it to the grave. So people hate this film for Moon Buggy, but there, I said it. I like Moon Buggy. I love Moon Buggy, and it's uh, it's random. It is very random, <laughs> but it's it's great. My only gripe about this whole scene in the chase is the fact that he is driving a moon buggy and somehow outrunning these cars. <laughs> now, now, look, I, I only just looked this up right now, but the maximum speed of a moon buggy is 8 miles an hour or 13 <laughs> kilometres an hour. 
I think humans can probably <laughs> run faster than that. I, I don't know how fast Usain Bolt runs, but I'm sure it's faster than 13 kilometers Bolt, an he hour. Make a great henchman. <laughs> yes, Usain Bolt for henchmen and Spectre. Stop it, Usain Bolt's the next Bond, I reckon. But um, I, I, that's my only thing about this scene is the fact that if like. They're building some fucking rocket-powered moon buggies um, well, out the there in the time, desert. Ben, they're building a laser out of diamonds that destroys parts of America with one shot. So. And red China. Yeah, um, so let's not get too far into it. But anyway, yeah, so I, 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 I love it. It's great. Um, I love the fact that Tiffany's waiting there the whole time. Like, what, what? Was there a plan if he doesn't come out? Like, See, she is... Good for something. She saved his life. That moon buggy yeah, would be able to keep up. <laughs> well, we we know that Bond has a magical ATV as well because I love how when he hops off of it, somehow between when it leaves frame and re-enters frame, it made a miraculous left turn on its own yes. right onto the road. Like that was impressive. Hey, if they can build a super speed uh, moon buggy, they can build intelligent motorbikes. Okay. Um, Where did Tiffany know to find him too? Yeah. Well. Yes. <laughs> well, she probably followed uh, a serious answer. She probably and, followed. And they Professor didn't notice Dr. in the rearview mirror the only car in the middle of a desert following them, nor did their security notice her standing right outside their front well, gate. Well, the British Secret Service let go one of their maximum uh, security people they've got captured. So, Well, I have to say security staff at this facility are pretty shit because when they see them driving off, they obviously recognise it's Bond and Tiffany, and all they do is get on the blower to say, hey, cops... He's going to drive into Vegas soon. Keep an eye. Well, how lazy are you? You've just set like all your fast, well, sorry, your slow cars after your precious moon buggy. You're chasing an empty moon buggy. You probably realise, oh, he's not in it. Then you see him driving off. Oh, we can't be bothered chasing him anymore. Well, let's hand it over to the police. And what What are the police going to ask? Like, what are you guys doing in the desert with these diamonds? Oh, you're building a laser that can kill the world. Oh, we'll just <laughs> leave that go as long as we catch this random guy who broke in and stole your moon buggy. Don't we worry, they can get Larry to take care of that one. <laughs> but Which anyway. brings us to the Vegas car chase. Yay! Uh, and my favorite random character, maybe in Bond history, in this sequence. Um, I'm going to say this is by far the best car chase we've seen in Bond up until this point. Best one we're going to see for a while. Includes what I would consider the first real stunt. Like the 70s movies, I think their staple is one insane stunt that nobody had ever seen before. And it really started here in Diamonds Are Forever with the the car driving sideways and then again miraculously flipping the other way, which there's obviously a trivia story most people know about that. Uh, So the whole car chase is fantastic. Uh, My favorite moment of this, though, is I I don't even know how many people noticed this, but I mentioned Larry already. And when the police are communicating over the radio, there's the one police, I don't know if he's the captain or whatever, and he's just repeatedly going, Larry? Larry? He's like, I think he got him. boy, Larry. Larry? Larry? It's JW's stepbrother all over. This is JW's Vegas counterpart. Brother-in-law. boy, Larry. Where is Larry during this thing? Which one of these cars is Larry in? Is that Circus Circus? He's the elephant trader. Yeah. Can, I, can, I just, can I just interrupt really quickly? Because I would like to know the trivia about. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard it before, Colin. But um, okay. some of our I'll listeners might up, not then. have might not have heard it in regards they, to the... First of all, we should say they they really had uh, carte blanche as far as filming goes in Las Vegas, thanks to uh, Howard Hughes, who pretty much owned most of Vegas at this point, who 
who's a fan of uh, the Bond movies and a friend of Cubby Broccoli. So they were able to film these car chase scenes in the middle of the night when they probably never otherwise would have. One of the things that made the scene great. But when they did that thing with it driving into the alley on two wheels, they didn't notice until quite a while afterwards that when it exits the alley, it's on the wrong two wheels. Now, back in Thunderball, when they had the helicopter going the wrong way, they could just flip the film so it projects backwards. But they couldn't do that here because all of a sudden you have all the signs on the street that would have read backwards. So they inserted that one really awkward-looking shot of the, the Bond and Tiffany straightening their positions to imply that the car turned the other way, even though it's physically impossible because they made the mistake filming. Interesting. This, uh, another little fun fact um, that I found interesting, it's not quite as good as that one, is they didn't actually use any film lights in this scene at all because the Vegas lights lit up everything so much that they didn't need any lights at all. Um, and all those extras weren't really extras. They were actual people watching. Well, I was going to ask, I've filming. written that down because, I mean, it's a thing that I always like to look at in street scenes of movies where they've obviously closed down the streets because they're clearly on the actual city streets. And a lot of the time it's, it's obvious if you know where to look um, that there are people watching them filming the movies. I, this is the most random reference of any movie in these podcasts ever. But in Miss Congeniality, there is a very <laughs> unique, well, not unique, a very obvious scene. Anyway, but I was watching that whole scene thinking, like, are they the people who are watching the car chase or are they yeah. the actual people watching them film James Bond? But this car chase is just so great, and I love it when the cops are involved with Bond. Um, it's just so good uh, I, maybe a view to a kill as a whole and it's been a while since I've seen it so I'll have to rejudge when we get to it is might be the better cop chase but this stunt makes up for everything and blows everything out of the water I've loved it since I was a kid I think it's so cool that then leaning and going through the side on the car is just epic, the car is awesome and the cops are super funny so this is one of the highlights of the film I think uh, if anything one positive that comes that people remember is this awesome cast done, and I think it's a great end to the moon buggy. If you didn't like the moon buggy, then you've got awesome nighttime Vegas car chase. I think jumping well ahead, um, this surely has got to make Hall of Fame. Just want to point that out there. Um, mm-hmm. d- did it need like one of those penny whistles that we had later on? Like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's great. I, I think you guys have covered it all very well. I love the conversations though that Bond and Tiffany are having when he's mentioning Felix. That you know, oh, I've got this guy who can help us out. Is he married? Like, <laughs> like you're just having sex with Bond, and now you're wanting to go after this other guy. Um, and yeah, Colin, you brought it up. I fucking love the whole comment, Larry. I think Larry got him. That a boy, Larry. And then, that a boy, Larry. <laughs> that a boy, Larry. Um. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really much to add um, that hasn't already been mentioned, but I I think it's a great scene. Following this, we get uh, another one of Guy Hamilton's, as I said, his Guy Hamilton on acid moments. Let's have Bond and Tiffany have sex on a fish tank. Um, (laughs) I don't know if this was a real thing in Vegas or if it was popular at the time. Some of our 1971 listeners will have to let us know. Did you ever have sex on a fish tank? We'd like to know here at 007. Mildred did. Uh, Mildred. (laughs) Mildred and Bert. (laughs) Um, I want to really quickly just comment because Felix comes back here and my first impression of Felix in that first scene with Bond was I'm just like this guy is not Felix at all and I'm going to stand by that like this Felix uh, Burton he's the exact opposite of what Felix is written as but 
there's something that's strangely entertaining about him in this movie. And I, I don't think anybody talks Jack Lord or even Jeffrey Wright, but I, I, I think if you kind of combine Norman Burton and David Hedison in the next movie, you get like a perfect Felix Leiter. So just wanted to really quickly say that, um, Bond then goes up the side of the building and uh, meets Blofeld and Blofeld and Pussy and Pussy. Um, <laughs> and we're reintroduced to Dicko Henderson. Sounds like uh, a pervert convention. Stupid kangaroo bum. <laughs> <laughs> we get Blofeld, Blofeld, Pussy, Pussy, and lots of Dicko. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, um, I really have to wonder again, like, again, this movie just gets so absurd that there are moments in this movie that are morbidly funny. They're so bad they're funny. And then there's moments that just make no sense at all. Blofeld goes to such trouble to disguise people to look like him. Why is he still not just getting a disguise to look different? Like, he could go unrecognized again in this movie. Why doesn't he make himself Willard White? It, uh, the Why doesn't he make himself a woman? Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> a woman who has more screen time than Plenty O'Toole, I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> Um, we could talk about the whole sequence here. Uh, Charles Gray as Blofeld. I don't know if we want to touch on that a little bit. I'm not a fan at all. Uh, Blofeld, Blofeld, pussy, pussy, lots of dicko, lots of Charles Gray. What do you guys think? Well, uh, we did have, uh, Felix giving Bond and Tiffany their new identity. Mr. and Mrs. Jones are Definitely missing Mr. and Mrs. David Somerset. Uh, whatever happened to them? Killed <laughs> um, by Peter Franks. Yeah, I love the elevator shaft repel gun thing. Like that is just classic Bond. Like you would see something like that in a Brosnan film. Not the Brosnan is classic Bond, but hey, like it's just oh. such a great stunt. Um, and the Vegas skyline in the background just looks amazing, even though it's not actually there. But it's great. Uh, and as you said, we've got Blofeld's 74 minutes into the film. Um, I love the exaggerated Mary death of one of the Blofelds. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, harking back to Dr. No, um, and but wrong pushy. Um, yeah, Charles Gray. I'm not a big fan of recasting people. Like, it has worked in the past, but, like, there's so many actors in the world. Do we have to get the same ones that's already been in it? Um, I think he does the job, but, again, I kind of wish he wasn't Blofeld and he was just a different villain and they changed him up a bit, like, just a different villain who's making copies of himself. Or uh, we'll get to Willard White because I love Willard White, but... Couldn't the villain of this film just being called Willard White, played by Charles Gray? Um, so I don't hate him, but compared to Pleasant and Telly Savalas, he's just not on that level. <laughs> Although he is better than For Your Eyes Only Blofeld. Mr. Bond! <laughs> uh, so whoever that actor was. Um, so, yeah, I don't love him. I wish there was more ties to Blofeld in the past, like more Spectre references. Spectre? Spectre? Because um, really... We're done with Spectre now until Spectre. Spectre. Mm. So that would have been nice to see. But overall, I don't think in the grand scheme of things, he's a horrible Bond villain. But as Blofeld, I'm not buying it too much. Well, he's no Christoph Waltz. Um, <laughs> spoiler. Just, just want to point well, out. Maybe or Andrew Scott. Oh, hey, yeah, Denby. Hey, this will make sense in at the time of recording this six months' or time. Monica Bellucci. If somebody's listening to this in 2016... <laughs> 
or Jack Black. Um, <laughs> we, can, we can just go back and re-edit this so we can put in the actual yeah, actors. Yeah, we'll just say all the names of the cast. and then Daniel we'll Craig. Like, I could not believe he was Blofeld. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, Judy Dench came back. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say them all so we've got the sound clips and we'll edit it in when we know. Good night, the Mr. Bond, you misogynist dinosaur from the Cold War. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yes, Batman grip gun I've written here on the roof. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, Bond's just popping upstairs. Um, again, we, I mentioned it before when he was in the... the um, the oven getting burnt, and he's, again, he's about to get crushed to death when he's going up the elevator, but just happens to stop in time. Um, and I love the fact that Bond's randomly on the toilet uh, when he falls through the... Um... Guy Hamilton on acid. Yes. Um, look, yeah, Charles Gray, not my favourite Blofeld either. He's just... I mean, this is, what, our third movie in a row where it's Blofeld versus Bond in terms of you actually get to see... Blowfield as the main villain. I realise, obviously, he was previously in other ones, and yeah, we don't we we don't get to see anything of Blowfield and until um, you only live twice, and you know through the chimney stack and what all that sort of jazz. You only live twice. Whatever. What are we up to? No. For your eyes only. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've just gone back to movies apparently, but um, yeah, this. This whole scene, it's interesting, again, with the two Blofelds. And, I mean, what happens here if Bond actually killed the right one? Like, does his look-alike take over? And his look-alike just goes, oh, shit, you got the right one. The oh, other well. one yeah. was Irma Bunt. That was the end of her. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that would have made sense. You know, hey, I'm a... You well, know. we talked about blowing the budget on uh, Connery's salary, so they just had to have Charles Gray as Irma Bunt as well. I, lo- I mean, the one thing I'll say for, for Charles is I do love the like the way he sarcastically delivers a lot of his one-liners. Like, I love it when he's there. You press L, Mr. Bond. Lobby begins with L. <laughs> like, I just love that. And then um, how it all... Like, he thinks he's about to drop down the elevator and then he gets gassed in the end. And um, I mean, I don't really have too much to add. I'm just yabbering on here about random shit. But... Yeah, I, I just think that the problem I have with Charles Gray, and this sounds so stupid because I know... Oh, I know he's... where you're going. We've heard it before. Ooh. Just let us have it. He's not bald. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say again, he he comes. he's like the gay Blofeld. No, no, um, God. That's, I... that's a good point, though, that I, I've always had issues with, but I didn't even mention it. Yeah, that, I've hated that he wasn't bald. Like, shave the damn head. Like, I, like, I know the whole point is for him to have surgery and, like, look yeah, different. but it's just not the same. But, like, Blofeld's bald. Like, that's that's who he is. Like, that's just the evil No, trait. question mark wasn't bald. <laughs> well, true, but I don't know. Like, we all, everyone talks about, oh, Daniel Craig's not James Bond because he's blonde. Like, D- Charles Gray's not Blofeld because he's not bald. <laughs> Hashtag um, the end. One other <laughs> issue I have, again... This scene for me just drags on forever, and this is the difference between having a bad actor versus having a great actor like Donald Pleasance or Telly Savalas. I never really realized until we watched it recently, You Only Live Twice and Honor Magic Secret Service, when Bond's meeting with Blofeld officially for the first time, how long those scenes are. This scene is probably even a little bit shorter, but it just feels like it goes on forever because it's I just I couldn't care less. I'm like, just just move on already. Like I hate Charles Gray as Blofeld. I don't think he got the point of this at all. I mean, he's playing it 
like everybody in this movie is playing it like they're a really bad actor and he's not doing that he's kind of playing it straight and less quirky than he even played henderson and it's just he didn't get the point of this at all and he's a terrible blofeld i don't think you could have even made him a different villain and had him acceptable i'd put him in my bottom villains of all time to be honest why didn't they just make him henderson and then bond henderson you old kangaroo bum what are you doing here (laughs) you only live twice mr bond There's just one thing I'll just quickly say, like, I, I like the way you sort of go on there about um, Grey there, Colin, because he's just, like, you think about Blofeld, you think about you only live twice, Blofeld, like how evil and, like, you know, menacing he is. Like, they turn him from, like, an evil, menacing, bald guy with a scar on his face, stroking a cat, to, like, hoity-toity, rich British guy who's, like, slightly gay like i, I don't know <laughs> Here there you go there it is leave it alone <laughs> like oh i just ah, oh, it annoys me like i forget that he's blowfield in this movie this that, well that's what my my kind of thing at the beginning was should he just not have been blowfield and a different bill call him random yeah like you know walt willard white or whatever like yeah uh, i was gonna say walter white oh right, well, there we go <laughs> Not evil enough. <laughs> this is where Say I think my Blofeld name. Really, uh, this is where I think Blofeld really drags down the movie because right after this, like I'm always so bored when Blofeld's introduced here that I just want to skip the scene. And I'm not even that big of a fan of Wit and Kid, but when they come back in the next scene, the whole tunnel death thing, um, <laughs> the movie's automatically entertaining again. And yeah. this is where I think like Wit and Kid could have been the main villains of this movie. You could have just done a red grant, you know, have Blofeld in the background or whatever. And made the henchmen the main villains. Because I like this tunnel death. Even though the tunnel death, again, it makes no sense. Like, these two are probably the worst assassins ever. Because every plan (laughs) just relies on Bond not waking up for several hours. It's not like they even put him in the tunnel underground. They just put him in a disconnected pipe. And they're hoping, well, four or five hours from now when, you know, the sun rises. And they actually pick this thing up. Let's hope nobody notices the dead body inside and they just bury it. Like, Well, you could make, make a case sense. that Wind and Kid are so sadistic, they just love uh, playing with him. And if they get more opportunities to kill him, they're fine with it. Yeah, that, that's a good theory. So I'll go with that because it, it yeah. makes that. I don't think uh, Mankiewicz and Hamilton were thinking that. But Nobody let's... intended it, yeah. But then, um, but then again, they have that line when they're like, well, if you first you don't succeed, then try, try again. So like, <laughs> clearly they know they're failing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. this plan, I mean, visually it's so good. Like, this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. And... Uh, the, that, that weird robot thing that's going through here. I have no idea what it's supposed to do or why this metal pipe that it's got these, you know, electrical shock going all over it, why the entire pipe isn't electrified at this point since it's all metal. Bond should be dead just based on that. But it's such a fun escape for me, and I, I love the, the humor when he gets out and everything. Again, Sean Connery gets too much criticism in this movie. Sean Connery was loving the change in humor in this, I feel. Um, well, another fun fact, and uh, those big machines and that, a bit of a tie to Doctor No, they're actually used to Cape Canaveral with the rockets and uh, all that business So for transporting, so fun fact there. Uh, perhaps I should be watching the commentaries more often because I seem to have these little trivias here. Um, but I think it's great. Like, we really ripped shit into Kentucky as a location. Was it Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky. Boo. Yeah, it was horrible. 
Las Vegas, Nevada is just such a great location. Every place they go to, whether it's the city or the desert, just looks amazing. And I love this kind of early morning desert dusk kind of look um, with these big machines. I think it's shot really well. It's kind of dramatic, but then the comedy talking to the rat, and I'll, I'll leave Ben to do the quote for that, um, but that was <laughs> hilarious. Uh a lot of these things I know I shouldn't be laughing at, but are just so funny because they're so immature, but it's hilarious. Um, but the one, I, <laughs> he comes out of the pipe at the end of the scene and he goes, sorry, I was just taking my rat for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> that is, is that not like the best quote Sean Connery has ever said? Like, Who would yeah. ever think when Dr. No started that there would be a line talking about taking my rat for a walk? Like, Just to quote like, the, the full line here. I was just out walking my rat, and I seem to have lost my way. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, you just keep saying it, Hamilton on acid. It's just so bad, it's good. Uh, I love this scene as well, as, as you mentioned. And, it, yeah, it is an improvement from the Blofeld scene. Yeah, I, I've written down here the why no kill. Why didn't they kill him? Like, they just drive him out to this pipe, but again, they're sadistic, and they drive off with their little evil <laughs> laugh. Um, but I, the whole thing I don't get, like, so they put him in a pipe, they obviously know the next day is going to be constructed into another pipe, which they do. Then he's in this pipe, and he wakes up with this rat. I'll get to that. But then, like, <laughs> when eventually the the machine, or as the workers call it, the cockamamie machine, breaks down, always in the wrong area, this is a pipe that was literally just constructed earlier that day. Why are they complaining about it breaking down in the same area? Like, it was built like a couple of hours before guys um but no, the whole line well, it seems like typical workers all over the world i fucking love oh, i've written it down here one of us smells like a tart handkerchief <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's a tart handkerchief afraid, afraid it's me sorry old boy uh, connery talking to a rat and a tart handkerchief <laughs> Poor tarts in this movie. Uh, or oh, plenty. Oh, yeah, harsh but true. But, um, yeah, no, it, this scene is amazing. And, yes, the whole, I was w- w- walking my rat and I seemed to lost my way. And, again, these are the worst, like, workers slash henchmen, whatever. They're all, aren't they all working for the same evil company? And, oh, let's just let Bond go. Oh, I believe that story, John. Absolutely, well, I, Phil. I, I took it as these were just workers um, who didn't actually know, but maybe. Maybe I misinterpreted. But, but wouldn't you like... In, again, I'm probably reading way too much into this. But if you are two workers working on a pipe and a random man emerges in a tuxedo, let's just <laughs> let him go. We're the high ones. That's normal. Not, oh, let's call the authorities. Hey, there was a guy locked in there. Workplace well, safe. Like, this is Those workers right look guy. like uh, that perhaps they didn't want the cops hanging around. Um, maybe... <laughs> they had some of what Hamilton was having stashed into their machines. So I don't think they wanted cops around. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I am going with, uh, again, the idea that this is just like a random work site. I don't know why they don't have something better. Uh, they could have killed him with, uh, this is again where you have to really suspend disbelief because Witt and kid are great at being creepy, but really bad at being efficient assassins. Um, they're kind of the dent of the new generation or the new decade of Bond. <laughs> um, after this, Bond's back in a casino, which apparently is impossible, because we left him alone in an unguarded construction site all night. Of course it's impossible. <laughs> um, 
we have the, the, the phone voice changers, uh, which are those things are amazing that not only they change your voice over the phone, but they change up in person, too. I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually we get to Bambi and Thumper. Guy Hamilton really was on acid when he made this. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Bambi and Thumper. Uh, I, I did note here that there's a censored nut shot, you know, as as offensive as the Bond movies can be sometimes with Bond, you know, uh, slapping around Tiffany or whatever. Somebody kicks Bond in the balls and you don't even dare show that on screen. That needs to be censored. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Bambi and Thumper, all the lead up to there. Um, uh, this is where the movie again takes a nosedive for me, but I'm sure I'm going to get some disagreement on that. I, I wish uh, when he was talking to Blofeld on the phone, it was uh, Hilly's voice because uh, <laughs> Bond, Bond does a very convincing Hillary Bray, so that would have been good. Um, and uh, Bambi and Thumper, I've always loved them since I was a kid. I love when I'm Bambi and then they cut over to Thumper and I'm Thumper and I love the idea of like female acrobatic henchmen. Well, they're not really henchmen. They're just Willard Whites. Uh, I don't know what you would call them, but I think it's a great little fight that Bond's just getting beat, beaten to hell and they're just owning him and swinging around. You take this one, Bambi. All right, Thumper. I, I really like it, and then the end with the pool is quite good. Um, I won't jump too far ahead of what happens next, but Bambi and Thumper, as they're not really Bond girls, they're not really hench women, they're just they're <laughs> kind of henchmen, yeah. I, I really enjoy them. I kind of wish we got more of them, although you don't want to crowd it because you've already got uh, Wind and Kid and Saxby and Shady Tree and Franks and all them, so you don't want to crowd it. But I wouldn't have mind seeing more of Bambi and Thumper, like escorting uh, Willard White around everywhere for the rest of the film or something. I, I love um, the scene again with Q and, um, you know, the whole contraption. And, and we learned Q has children. He built one for the kids last uh, <laughs> Christmas. There's a, there's a spin-off. Q's family Christmas time. Either that or he just attends the annual perverts. From the- <laughs> yes. Um, Bambi and Thumper, I don't know. I'm, uh, I mean, I like them, but they're just... It's one thing, it's very over the top. Like, I mean, I'm complaining about that now, am I? But like, <laughs> yeah, I'm Bambi. the rest of this entire film? And I'm Thumper. Like, you know, I mean, clearly Bond has never watched Disney movies in his life. Like, wouldn't the first question be like, didn't your mother die, Bambi? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> she just breaks that. You had to bring that up. <laughs> spoiler alert if you haven't seen Bambi. Um, but <laughs> Christoph Waltz is Bambi. <laughs> We'll edit that in when Spectre comes out. Um, but I, I love the fact when was it Felix like you you know giving you breaststroke lessons or something like that? Was it Felix who said that, or was it Bond saying? Oh, I can't remember. I've written you breaststroke lessons. But I love the fact that uh, in the James Bond Encyclopedia updated edition written by John Cork and Colin Stutz, uh, it explains Bambi and Thumper's characteristics as great gymnasts, powerful hand-to-hand combatants. That's about it. Um, so, and it's got a lovely picture with a quote underneath it that says, Bambi, hi there, I'm Bambi, Thumper, and I'm Thumper. Is there something we can do for you? That's the quote that they put. I've got another quote here, actually, Now, just quickly, um, under the, um, Bond women, funnily enough, Mary. Ah! Uh, <laughs> so I'll quickly point that out. I have to wonder, 
their entire job here is to, if we're explaining what can be explained about the ridiculous plot in this movie, their whole job is to guard the real Willard White. So they put two henchwomen guarding the real Willard White. They don't have them wearing clothes. Why are they not the only ones in this movie not allowed to have guns? Like, th- this could have been solved very quickly if they had guns. Burt Saxby's allowed a gun. Bambi and Thumper <laughs> aren't. My only explanation is that Bambi and Thumper are fembots. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen Austin Powers, they're clearly the inspiration for fembots. <laughs> so we they just walk needed... around. Uh, they walk around on broken glass in this movie and don't seem to have a scratch for it. Like, that's the only explanation that makes sense, and it totally fits with Hamilton being on acid. Bambi and Thumper have to be fembots. So, so all we needed in this scene was, when I think about you, I touch my yes, that's right. And then the one's gone, boom! <laughs> I'm also really concerned here, and... I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, not extreme, but a little bit of a germaphobe. I'm really concerned why Willard White doesn't wash his hands after he takes a dump or whatever he does. <laughs> <laughs> when he walks up, the- you hear the toilet flush. Like, it always bothers me. Like, you'll be working with a person. You hear the toilet flush, and, like, one second later, they're opening the door. And, like, I have, like, a gag reflex when I see them. Like, I don't know how to hold it in. It's just disgusting. This guy's, like, modeled on Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was an extreme germaphobe. It just bothers me. This man does not wash his hands. And he loves the toilet because later on, but he's like, I'll take the call and the yeah. John. <laughs> well, and plus, you know, obviously Blofeld has taken over Willard White's office. Like, he has a very elaborate toilet in his office, you know, at the White House. This entire character just revolves around sitting on the can. <laughs> well, we may as well talk about him now, shall we? If, as we brought it up. Yes, we should. Go for it. <laughs> um, I, you're kind of mocking him, and he is ridiculous. I love Willard White, and I've always liked him, but this rewatch particularly, I really noticed him. I think he's underrated Bond ally. I think he's hilarious, and I wish they kind of used him more within it because everything he says is funny, and I just love his whole position that he's like this big uh, casino tycoon guy, um, and his line is hilarious. Uh, Bert Saxby? Tell him he's fired. Tell him he's fired. No, no, no. Yeah. You didn't. I think you've got to. You've got to overestimate it a bit more there, Noah. That was Saxby. Bert Saxby. <laughs> <laughs> he's it's, so almost, it's almost I going back him. to Dink. I'm a Willard White fanboy. WW. I think he's great. I like Willard. He's he's fine. Um, you know, does the job, and yeah, he's great. Yeah, obviously way more memorable than Burt Saxby, who may be uh, the most incredible since Hans. Um, good call. I like that call. Very good call. I, th- um, that, I think it was a missed opportunity here. I, I wish this was like a big... Because it's such a great set, like his summer home. I wish there was more of a gunfight here rather than just Burt Saxby trolling up the hill and then gets shot. I, okay, I think it was the worst everybody... fake blood ever. Uh, this could have been a great gunfight here, I think. Everybody has a gun except for the people who need them. Why do Bambi, Thumper, and Bond not have guns? Like, I'll start to get into my wife's comments now because I, I thought, like, years ago, I bored her all of the Bond movies and, like, one or two a week or three a week I'd give her and she'd watch them while she was at work, you know, if it was slow or whatever. And she loved them all and I thought I'd give them all. Then we started watching this. Like, I've never seen this in my life. I wasn't really down on this movie. Bad boyfriend. The half. <laughs> I wasn't down on the movie for the first half, but Right as they're walking up to the house, I, I was had to wake her up because she started to drift off. Now, this is like 7.30 in the evening when we're watching this. 
And I'm like, wake up, wake up. You're going to miss the good parts here. And I, I wrote down some of her quotes here. She goes, I'm bored. I'm so bored. This is literally in the top three most boring movies I've ever seen. And then when Bond's at the bottom of the house and you see the house up there, she goes, great. Now I have to wait for Grandpa Bond to climb a bloody hill. Uh, <laughs> she was hating this movie. Um, so, 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 Colin, just so when you're sitting there having a lovely evening with your <laughs> wife and your wife starts complaining, hang on a minute, honey, let me get the notepad. Just let me write down what you just said. <laughs> wake up, wake up. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, she was fast asleep again by the time I started taking notes. She mm. did stay awake for the whole movie, but, like, I, I do disagree with her because I think that the first half of this movie, so despite the first half really having no plot, the first half up until now, up until Blofeld, I think was the fun stuff. And from this point on, it's all downhill, but she just couldn't stand this movie. Like, she honestly said it's in the top three most boring movies she's ever seen. What are the other uh, two? Uh, well, I, yeah, I, well one of them... Three movies. Yeah. <laughs> one of them she mentions later on. I'll have the quote for that. Um, Is it other the other two Lord of the Rings movies? Well, one of them might be because she complains about that too. I uh, like your wife then. Good. Who girl. is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I know but, you listen to these. I know you hate my voice, but good. Don't like Lord of the Rings. To, I have to agree with her though that up to this point, I think we've peaked for this film. Mm-hmm. Like. We probably peaked, uh, what, probably the car chase. And not to say that the rest is bad, but I do think we're peaked, which isn't always a good thing to peak in the middle of the film. Yeah. Um, well, if we're going to move on from the Bambi and Thumper scene, I'm going to point out more instances of how this movie has peaked. Uh, I know you guys are a fan of this, Blofeld and Drag. Uh, <laughs> again, am I a fun, fan of this? But I am. How, She's hot. How do we take, how do we take Blofeld? seriously anymore and again going back to plenty o'toole in this one moment we get more screen time and more dialogue from blofeld and drag than we get from plenty and tool does this mean we count blofeld as a bond girl i will count blofeld as a bond femme fatale at least she uh, i almost called her she um it's just i i can't say i'm anti this scene but it is ridiculous and unnecessary uh but you have to wonder, getting surgery, it must have taken his facial reconstruction just to blow it all out the window and put a wig on, and, and it is a bit ridiculous. Look what the cat dragged in. But it's fun, but I can't say I'm a massive fan of it. But, Ben, you love this scene? Well, going back to Blofeld being gay... Um... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's just hilarious because I... I You'd notice it when, like, he's walk- it's walking through the casino, like this woman with a cat, and, like, look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> like, it's, just... it's funny, but... Oh, I do have to say, Q and the slots, um, <laughs> hilarious. He's flirting with Q. And once, Mr. Q, Mr. Q. Mr. Q, I love that. <laughs> and once again, Mr. Q gets stood up, <laughs> like, she just leaves it that's again. It's just classic Q, though, that he's really... All these machines just to test out, like like it's nothing. Like he doesn't even care about it, just to test out his new gadgets. Oh, He's doing I it to it. buy his kids Christmas presents. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the best Q up movie. to this point. Yeah, uh, it's, it's great. I love Q on the scene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Q on the scene. Why Q... is Q on the scene though? Like, is that ever explained in the movie? Yeah, he doesn't even give gadgets. 
to bowl. Oh, he's he? bored. Like he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> That's gonna totally blow his cover too. Q's being nice. Like M's being a prick after the death of his wife. So Q's being a but supportive friend. In in fairness, if we did have to defend this, that is totally in character. Like, well, Bond's on a mission in Vegas. Oh, I'll go to Vegas. Like, I think. Q, he loves going to different places in his Hawaiian shirt in the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> somebody needs to Japan. edit. Somebody needs to re-edit this and basically make it Bond and Q in Vegas, a la the Hangover. <laughs> 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 they wake up in a room. <laughs> Whose baby is this? Why is there Bond a tiger in take the Vegas. <laughs> instead of a instead of a tiger or a lion or whatever, it's Zambora, the gorilla girl, <laughs> <laughs> polar bear. <laughs> yes, he got married. <laughs> um, I'm going to have a lot of criticism for Case from this point on. The first thing I wrote in my notes here is, why is Case even there? She talks about, well, I guess I'm working for the good guys now. What do they need her for? The whole diamond smuggling thing is the only thing she knew anything about, and that's done in the movie. Like, there's no point to that, like, it. She's joined the cause now, though. Like, it's unnecessary, but, but so is, is every other character but Bond, pretty much, here, if you wanted to make the case. Yeah, well, again, that's a the real case. issue with the uh. movie. <laughs> uh, but there's no point to Tiffany being there, and she's just so she's dumb bad. and overacting. Like, <laughs> I guess I'm one of the good guys now, Mr. Q. Like, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> like, even he doesn't care. Ugh. I will say quickly, to jump in there over you, know, is that it's a good point that Colin makes, because... If Tiffany isn't kidnapped by Blofeld at the end, they discover the oil rig in Baja. Doesn't just, like, Bond just send the helicopters to blow the shit out of the oil rig without Tiffany there. So if Tiffany's not there, Bond doesn't even need to go there at the end and bang, Bob's your uncle, the movie's well, over. needs to change the tapes. <laughs> well... Yeah, she didn't do that right. She didn't shoot the machine gun right. Like, she Super does twit. nothing right. And, and, and again, having read, like... If anybody who has read the books, I don't know how they're just not disgusted with Tiffany Case in this movie because she's so competent. She's easily one of the top three Bond girls in the books, if not, like, maybe even top two behind Tracy. How is she this dumb? Like, it's like they took the great character in the book and said, let's just make her the epitome of a dumb woman stereotype. Like, I will argue very good better than oh. <laughs> I just it. I, no, I mean, if she's Mary better than goodnight. solitaire and Mary Goodnight I quit right on the spot Mary Goodnight like first of all solitaire yeah she's not really funny but I mean she serves the purpose she has in the movie and the plot works with her this plot doesn't work with Tiffany case it makes no sense with her being there Mary Goodnight I will defend the entire episode yay of I know that I know people's criticism of Mary Goodnight. It's the same criticism people have for Tiffany Case. The difference is Goodnight is entertaining in it. I don't find Tiffany Case Tiffany entertaining. Tiffany Case is one of the most entertaining Bond girls out there. Goodnight's what hot. Is enter- what is she entertaining for? Like, oh, I guess there, there's, there's a lot of night. useless like ones that aren't like. Uh, we'll get to Stacey Sutton. Like, what what purpose does I'm she serve? Worse, but I'm saying the the 70s was really plagued by Kissy Suzuki. You cannot say that Tiffany Case is worse. Than yes, Kissy I'll say Tiffany Case is worse than Kissy Suzuki because Kissy Suzuki could swim. Tiffany can't do anything right. Colin, you're a dickhead. Like. <laughs> 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 no, you can't say Suzuki. Did no one just hang up? <laughs> Noah hung up. Noah pulled anybody, any, anybody listening to this who has heard Survivor Oz, 
Noah has just pulled a Kate on us. <laughs> he hung up and he's typed in the box, fuck you. <laughs> I did not say that. And it wasn't even Kissy Suzuki swimming, it was Sean Connery's wife. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. We've got to get... I, you missed me calling Colin a dickhead there, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was probably deserving. Yeah, well, I think uh, we've talked enough, Tiffany. I love her. You hate her. Ben thinks she's okay. Is Tiffany worse than Jinx? <laughs> no. no, it's not. Worse than- <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh oh, it's starting all over. Again. <laughs> I'm going to be right. hanging up so much in that episode. <laughs> Let's move on. I think Let's we've had the, uh, beating the, a dead the horse. Next sequence. We're, what? I don't know what point we're at. We're probably with like half an hour to go in the movie, and they only now really explain the plot. Like even the weapon has not been explained up to this point. Not even that it's really explained here, but basically. The diamonds are creating this shield in space, and it creates a laser that fires on the Earth. Uh, as much as I dislike this movie, I'm going to say, best laser weapon based around diamonds that we will see. Hey! In- <laughs> uh, I don't actually mean that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we have a whole bunch of really bad effects shots, and just when you thought they're over, we have a whole bunch more bad effects shots of what this laser can do. <laughs> and uh, a couple of scenes. Tom the guard, when uh, Willard White comes back to his um, back to his lair or whatever, when they kind of see all the plans. Same guy that appeared in Mission Control that will later appear in Spy Who Loved Me. I don't have his name right here, but the same guy appears in three Bond movies. Um, the the whole floor model. I thought that set was pretty good. I'm not really overly impressed with the sets in this movie. But I think that Willard White's, I don't know if this is office or lair, whatever you want to call it. I really like that. Uh, I also really like uh, the, the one moment in here where uh, Bond, again, this is where Felix becomes kind of like ir- irritable like, um, like M does. Where Bond's like, where's Tiffany? He goes, do you mind if we find Blofeld first? <laughs> <laughs> He's just a little bit of a dick in this movie too. So a uh, whole sequence where they find out what the... the point of the movie is and what this weapon and bad effects give us uh there's not too it's quite a simple plot if you really think about it the graphics are bad but i do like that we get to see like a submarine and we get to see china red china yeah (laughs) um but really this is all just set up for the climax but i love uh, Baha. Baha? Baha? I haven't gotten anything Baha. Yeah, I love Willard White. Between that and Bert's actually telling me he's fired, Baha is just classic Willard White. Uh, other than that, there's not too much to add. Love the Baha line, though. And the oil rig thing, and we'll get into it, but the whole how Bond discovers it and just the whole purpose of it is just bizarre. But anyway. This movie is the best thing to mention Baha since the Baha men release Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> Um, Except this came first. So. No, Look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Who let the dogs out came first, Colin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> it's not even a joke. Time. It's just wrong. I know. I'm trying to be funny and it failed. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My humour died with plenty of tool. Rest in peace. Your humour is pointing out that something that came out later came out before. <laughs> Yeah, that's how Ben Waterworth rolls. Um, <laughs> ben O'Toole. <laughs> I love the scenes, like, when they're blowing up shit. And, like, this is the only reference of North Dakota, not only in a James Bond movie, I think in a movie in general. Like, I swear the Except people in North Dakota... Except for Fargo. Well, fuck Fargo. This is I'm talking about this. 
Don't ruin my references. My jokes are totally... Any movie, but if we know one, then it doesn't count. I was going to say that they declare this like a national holiday in North Dakota because no one gives a shit about it, but now you've ruined it by bringing up Fargo. Okay. Uh, what, what's the... Where Blofeld talks about when uh, he wants can, to blow up LA. But Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, no one would even know about that for two years. <laughs> well, it worked in Superman, didn't it? <laughs> Is that like... Uh, I want to see the shot where they blow the thing into Kansas and that uh, causes a hurricane that leads... Uh, Dorothy to Oz. Like, I think this is a prequel to Wizard of Oz. It, yeah, and I would not put it past Guy Hamilton in this movie to do something. Yeah. I, I thought I thought you were about to say a hurricane so that he's a kite dancing. Uh, <laughs> I love to just see the, the scarecrow in this uh, oil rig here instead of Doctor Professor Meds. I think I think it just comes down to this is the plot of Superman now, Kansas, like shooting. That also explains how Bambi and Thumper ended up in this movie because like you have all the Disney characters, you have Superman coming into the movie, you've got the Scarecrow and Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Bambi and Thumper. Um, I I my favorite one though out of all is like I love when you see the new getting blown up in North Dakota and you see like the random guards like going, oh Mary ah death and then I love the random Chinese guard who's like ah he's like dying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's interesting, of course, this is where we find out about um, the world being held for ransom. You know, who will have nuclear supremacy? What happens if, like, I don't know, Ethiopia, like, had money and they were like, we'll be the highest bidder. No one else cares. And then Ethiopia were like a nuclear power. Would that work? What? Why did he, t- like, why did yeah, he take out North Dakota as far like, let's take out a military installation in China and let's take out North Dakota. It's talking about nobody noticing Kansas, like, Who's going to notice North Dakota's gone? Like, at this point, the President of the United States is like, thanks, we didn't want North Dakota. <laughs> that takes that off our hands. Now we've got no reason to have anything to do with North Dakota. The nuke's gone. Well, that can just be the Tasmania of America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after this point, really, we, we start reaching the climax. Uh, Bond has to get Tiffany, so he walks on water to do it. Um, cool little gadget. If anybody has seen... I don't recommend seeing it, but the Avengers movie, not the Marvel one, but the Avengers one with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. It's pretty much the same gadget they use in that movie. Sean Connery is in it? Sean Connery's the villain in that. Uh, I do not recommend watching that under any circumstances. Yeah, he plays Loki in the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Connery is the Incredible Hulk when he hulks out. (laughs) You Um, want to see me when I'm angry. Hulk smart. (laughs) Oh, smash. <laughs> I do, um... Smashing, positive, smashing. How many more Hulk lines can we come up with? We've said all three. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Banner, I presume. <laughs> you wouldn't like Bruce Banner. <laughs> hey, Captain America, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yes. <laughs> Onto the climb. I love how that's one of his lines. What are you doing? <laughs> well, what else does the Hulk say? Famous movie line. <laughs> I'm Hulk. Hulk. What are you doing? <laughs> Who said this famous line? What are you doing? I'm the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. What are you doing, Dad? Hulk. <laughs> Oh, God. That famous catchphrase. 
it's it's pretty much like we could say in all honesty, it, it pretty much is the go-to line for Guy Hamilton's random background henchman. What are you doing? What is that? <laughs> is that Hulk's famous line? What is this? A merry-go-round? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to do the opposite now. Hulk quotes Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I was just taking my rap for a walk. <laughs> my name's Plenty, Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> what is this? A perverse convention? <laughs> you expect me to talk? I expect you to die. You just killed James Bond. <laughs> Throw up your pants. <laughs> <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, 007. Uh, Allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> I am Ernst Dubrovka. <laughs> On <to the> time. <laughs> Just like time is our forever, this podcast gets a little bit over the top and on acid. There's never happened to the other podcast. Breathe, everybody. <laughs> Are you quarrel? Baby. All right. Yeah, we're going to have to move on here, otherwise this is going to go for three hours and 18 minutes. If you've listened uh, to any of our other podcasts, this is the time to choose. All right, breathe, breathe, All right. breathe. Uh, bring it back down to the uh, oil rig, which uh, I'm just going to first talk about location. Like, every Bond movie, at least with the exception of From, From Russia With Love, as we talked about, every Bond movie ends on some big, you know, great set that kind of gets dest- destroyed. You know, maybe it's something as simple as uh, the Disco Volante and Thunderball, but you get, like, something big. There are reasons why this climax doesn't work, but even the location itself, like, an oil rig, seriously? Uh-huh. This Baja oil rig? Baja! I <laughs> no, ben. They paid so much money to Sean Connery in this movie that everything else suffered from the budget. We saw it in the effects. We're going to see some more cardboard walls coming up. Um... Do you want to talk a little bit about the location for this before we get into the scenes? Baja. Yeah, Baja. The Baja oil rig. Um, the idea of like this oil rig in the middle of the ocean with nothing around it, I kind of like. But it, it really is quite unimpressive and there's not too much to it. Um, like It should have been more. It should have been an oil rig, but like a big villain base rather than just a regular oil rig where they kicked everyone who was working on it off. Like... It's just lacking a lot, as you said, and I think Ken Adam was on uh, Acid 2 when filming this because it's definitely not up to scratch, and it could do with the budget, like you said. But as much as I do love this film, the climax is quite underwhelming. Am I the only one who likes the oil rig? I think it's a perfect... No, I, I, I like it. It's just It seems a bit too small, and like, there's something missing. There's just something and like ab- you said, it's not. It doesn't look villainous, you know. Like even the Disco Volante, it had something about it, you know. Like the, the whole jettisoning the <laughs> jettisoning the one half of it. I mean, there's nothing about this other than it's an oil rig. This could have been the good guys' base for all we knew. Yeah, I see. I, I like it though. I, I don't know. It seems evil enough to me. Like those bastards are drilling the earth. Dick. Come on. Hey, that's below the belt from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't know. I I, I like it. 
that's my explanation. That, I, I, that I, quote, though, with the Acme pollution is so funny. I, the thing that just bothers me so much is that they're like, oh, we have a random plane approaching, and then Blofeld's like, stage one alert, please. They've got this fucking plane flying over, this random plane. They don't know what it is. They see it shoot out like a thing with a parachute that then comes towards them. At what point are these people who are about to hold the world for ransom, like, <laughs> they're about to become the most evilest pricks in the world since Hitler, do they not think, oh, this random thing that's coming towards us, we should maybe destroy this? But Blofeld... a bomb! Well, like, Blofeld turns around and says, how disappointing, I thought you were head of state. Yeah, I'm sure that the president of the US of A is, like, jumping in a fucking silver <laughs> balloon, you dickhead. Like, what the hell? They, they thought it was Bunt showing up, finally. <laughs> this is, this, this really just, just annoys the crap out of me that Blofeld... I, I, I like the entrance, and I think it's fun. No, the entrance is fine, but, like... But it makes no sense. It, it just opens this up to Austin Powers movies to parody James Bond, because, like... It really like, should have been swimming in, like, using the Thunderbolt breathing. Yeah, like, like yeah, have some sort sneak of stealth. stealth. This is, like, the complete... Like, he could have rocked up on a cruise ship with a gay parade in the background dancing and singing in the Navy, and they still wouldn't have killed him. <laughs> well, well, I like to the think gay the ball was, was, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> I really yeah. need to stop mentioning... I really do apologise if I'm just claiming, like, everything's gay in the world. Like, I'm not meaning <laughs> to... <laughs> I like it's it's Mr. It, it's Mr. Wind and Mr. Kid, all right? If Q created this silver ball thing, then it would be bulletproof. I'm just going to say that. I just want to point out that um, there was a future Bond movie with silver balls that were much better. The world is not enough, did it better. Yeah, I'll agree. Thank you. Uh, no, you're, not, you're not talking about Jaws' balls. <laughs> no. Uh, so when Bond arrives, we get... Uh a very good line here. I thought, search him from his toenails to the last follicle on his yes. head. It's Sean Connery. It's not going to take too long. Um, <laughs> the, we have a couple of little scenes here. We'll do everything except for when, the, I guess, the escape and the action starts here. So there's a couple of little swaps with the cassette tape. Like, again, one thing with this movie, it's like there's nothing menacing about this plan. Like, you have some bad effects showing what could happen with this weapon, but... The weapon's not even shown from this point on, and everything relies on a cassette tape. I mean, like, maybe they could have made it an 8-track, and it would have been a little bit more sinister. <laughs> it's a cassette tape of, like, British marches. Uh, I'm also going to say, like, the cassette tape in Tiffany's <laughs> bikini, like, is that a cassette tape, or did she just pinch a loaf in her bikini? I don't know. It could be either. <laughs> Or, or is bikini. it like Ace Ventura, you know, when he's like the penis in the back instead of... Never mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, some, some of this scene is a bit blare with the it. tape and that. But, <laughs> some uh, of it. Uh, but as Ben said, uh, Professor Dr. Metz is quite funny in oh, it. Oh, um, the best. I think there's still some funny lines, and I like Tiffany here, even though I agree with you on one point with Tiffany. She does turn quite useless in this climax. So I'll agree with that. I, I I just love the fact that it leads to one of the best James Bond quotes ever. No, I'm not going to do it in the Hulk voice when he's like, when she's like, "Oh, I switched the tape." You stupid twit! You put the real one back in. <laughs> and I loved also, I love the bit when he's like leads in close to her and just goes, "Bitch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I, other than that, it's yeah. Look, it's 
it's fun. And like the thing that I guess irks me about this whole, besides the whole entrance, is that this whole conclusion, Bond does nothing. Like, Bond is in prison for the whole part. Then he gets up. He notices Blofeld about to be dropped down in a submarine, which he takes his sweet-ass time before, like, punching the guard out. Um, But other than that, Bond, like, he does nothing. This is a Guy Hamilton thing, because the only other movie we talked about that in was Goldfinger. And I think this is one of the problems with Guy Hamilton. Like, yeah, he can make things slightly entertaining, but when you really try to watch the movie, I mean... Bond doesn't matter in this movie, and it was the same problem with Goldfinger. Like yeah. the whole movie could happen without him, pretty much. The Hamilton films definitely have the least amount of kills in it. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess. Uh, well, Colin, do you want to set up the end of this? We didn't really touch on uh, well, the rest. We have. Here. Yeah, like we have the uh, escape from the guards. Um, followed by the climax, uh, where basically, you know, every it's it's kind of like your typical you only live twice thing, except much smaller and less interesting. Some gunfights going on. Bond picks up this C pod, which there it was apparently a much bigger climax. We'll get into that. I did want to quickly point uh, out. Uh, Noah, Colin, did you just blow the wind or something? <laughs> <laughs> the Hulk's coming through. <laughs> uh, I need to correct you there. It's not C pod. It's Batho sub. <laughs> the, the what what do you call it that's what it's called he says get me my batho sub batho or are you saying with an accent <laughs> like the thing that ben goes in every friday oh, night bath- <laughs> the, the yeah. running theme of well bath- i i am saying it with an accent because it's my yeah. accent well, I, I wasn't sure if i was supposed to say like b-a-r-t-h or if i was just imitating your accent there Bartho, okay. Not, the Bartho. not Bart- Bartho. <laughs> I don't have anything in Bartho. <laughs> um, one really funny part. This was a missed opportunity. Like we have so many of these silent guards who just say random things in the background. I really wanted at some point, you know, when Bond was doing his uh, signal to Felix and everybody, just to hear things like, "Hey, what's with that trick shoelace? Hey, let go of that balloon!" Like total missed opportunity to bring a little bit of humor to this whole escape. What is speed. this amateur night? <laughs> and the, the, uh, the, the I just want to quickly, really quickly, sorry, Colin. The, the other star in this movie, besides Mets, is random guy who likes to repeat the time. Who looks like he absolutely loves his job. Seven minutes and counting. Six minutes <laughs> and counting. Same guy from the volcano, basically. But like every time they go close to him, he looks like the most bored. Like he hates his job. Yeah, and- does he know what's going to happen? Like, uh, do you want to get more excited by what's do, about to happen? How do they uh, like? Do they advertise that like on Seek.com or like in the newspaper? Like, wanted man to read out time when destroying the world. <laughs> even Must when, have like, the following. <laughs> even when the, the helicopters come in and start shooting guns everywhere, he still just five minutes and the guns <laughs> outside, bullets flying past his window. And the one thing too, I don't know, Colin, if you're maybe about. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here or anything, but like, do we we don't really get to get a, a closure about what happens to Blofeld? I mean, are we meant to assume he gets blown up in the oil rig? Is that what we're meant to believe? Well, yeah, I'm I'm assuming they still were hoping they could hold on to him for a future movie. Yeah, I I think that too. But like with the climax here, I don't know, Ben. You probably well, you've read the encyclopedia. You might know, or Ben or Noah. <laughs> Are either of you familiar with why this whole climax went wrong? I'm uh, not. It's talking about salt mines by any chance. <laughs> uh, well, 
first of all, they did have a sequence that was probably cut for budgetary reasons where the, the, the batho, whatever you want to call it, the bartho, <laughs> bartho. Uh, stuff, there was supposed to be a chase in the water, which I think would have been a cool climax because you would finally get some real gadgets in this. But even with the oil rig explosion, with uh, the, the, the timing of that, are either of you familiar with that? No. Uh, no. Okay. So basically you have the whole shootout and everything. It ends in Bond ramming the sea pod into a wall, which I'll, I'll comment a little on that later. But Bartho the whole sub. explosion, yeah, the <laughs> the Bartho sub. <laughs> you have the uh, the explosion of the oil rig really is very brief because they were doing a test run where they weren't supposed to blow it, and they were just like seeing other communication. Ah, uh, yes, yes. There was the countdown, and then they accidentally blew it on the rehearsal. So suddenly it's like roll the cameras, roll the cameras, and they had to capture it all on the cameras, which is why we don't really have. A proper explosion or climax of this. And, well, uh, yeah. Sorry to. Uh, I now that you said that, I will go. I've started. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> it, actually, it's funny, Colin, because I said it wasn't in the encyclopedia, um, and it, I, I remember reading this last night. The filmmakers staged the movie's climax at an oil rig off the coast of Oceanside, California, and assistant director miscued mis- the explosion, but thankfully, one lone aerial cameraman captured nearly all the fireworks, saving the scene from a total reshoot. There we go. The one thing that was also cut, I don't know if it was time budget, uh, was that Blofeld was a me- originally meant to die uh, the, down a salt mine. Uh, there would just be a hand-to-hand combat kind of Dr. No style between Bond and Blofeld, the final uh, conflict, but they cut that, which is definitely disappointing because that would have made a good end to the film if Bond finally gets his revenge and Blofeld is done with a hand-to-hand fight. So that's disappointing. Instead, we've got like a New Hope-based uh, type thing with uh, Blofeld flying around in the air in his bathos. So. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Now, first of all, we, we also have the moment with Tiffany and the machine gun. Like, I'm going to say the worst <laughs> any Bond girl's ever had. Uh, that annoys me. Like, she should be awesome at that. She's a diamond smuggler. She should be yeah. know this stuff. But diamond smugglers aren't often using machine guns in their diamond smuggling, I don't think. Well, Peter so. Franks knows how to escape from MI6. Yeah, I guess. Peter Franks is better at it than Tiffany. And Wint and Kidd are quite uh, deadly with most things. Peter Franks, Wint, and Kidd all would have made better Bond girls in this than Jill St. John. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Mrs. Whistler. And Mrs. Whistler. And uh, I'll even say Plenty O'Toole would have maybe been better than <laughs> Tiffany Case in this. What, what, what about Denise Richards? No. that was perfect no we're all finding that i'll be more critical of um yeah this whole climax with the batho sub uh for one thing like it's so slow and again blofeld is not menacing like he still thinks it's one of his at some point he should have caught on be like no it's bond and tried to escape but like the entire time he's like what are you doing you idiot like he still thinks it's one of his guys like how dumb does it come across when it's like after 10 minutes he's still bashing this thing in the wall and again the budget just ruins this movie like they're ramming this sub into the wall and all the explosions are coming from drywall like (laughs) it's not even getting rammed into the electronics you're seeing it get rammed into a wall and all of a sudden the wall bursts into flames like oh this just doesn't work at all it's it's maybe the worst climax i'm gonna be critical of living let dies climax but i'll say even that's better than this Ooh, i don't know i think it just also needed more it needed bond killing people it needed the guys with the helicopters actually doing something like rappelling down and having big fights 
Uh, I think we've discovered a lot of things went wrong, which they didn't plan for, or, or things they couldn't shoot here, which explains it. But I do agree, it's not one of the best climaxes. It's probably not the worst. It's still got some enjoyable moments, but overall, the Blofeld in the Bartho sub swinging around is quite silly. I feel like we don't get proper resolution, even though they probably did want to bring him back. And, yeah, there is something off about it, but there is still some good things. And I love Bond's dive at the end. That's quite cool. Yeah, I wrote there, Bond swan dives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has jazz hands and swan diving in this movie. <laughs> and I'm saying Blofeld's gay. Um, but I... <laughs> I like this climax. Um, I think it's better than Live and Let Die. Oh. But, uh, no, I, 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 as again, kind of going back to what I said, I mean, Bond doesn't really do anything. And I like to have a climax where, you know, Bond's sliding in. Sliding like, on ice. Yeah, like, you know, b- bobsled chasing. <laughs> Bring back lays with me. But, um, you know, we don't basically see Connery in a, in a Eon climax as Bond ever again after this until never say never again but sorry. never again um well can I just quickly very sidetrack but just as you brought it I forgot to bring it up I talked about how I don't think Connery would be good in Majesties do you guys think Lazenby could have pulled this off because I'm not sure he could have pulled off this acid Hamilton film but I also uh, think though this movie wouldn't have been made like if Lazenby yeah. had stayed on. I don't think it would have been made this. Oh way. yes, of course. Or John Gavin. Um, I reckon it would have had a more serious tone, obviously, with the whole death of the wife and. Yeah, sorry to butt in. No, I. I mean, I really didn't have anything to say. I'm just yabbering on. Um, <laughs> whatever. Cool. Um, another problem with this, as we said, like Bond doesn't really kill anybody here. We can't even really count this as Blofeld's death because of the whole fear eyes only thing. Mr. But Bond. <laughs> again, like looking at this from plot hole point of view, why is Bond wasting all his time ramming this thing into the wall that bursts into flames? He knows the entire oil rig's gonna blow up in a few minutes. Like, why doesn't he jump off now? Like Blofeld's gonna be dead anyways. He's caught on a crane. I think I don't know why he's the satisfaction of getting revenge for his wife. Which, again, is where this movie would have worked so much better if this had been a real sequel to Diamonds Are Forever. Keep the campy tone if you want, but, like, keep the whole revenge plot. Like, Yeah, they should have mentioned it, it once. Like, that was yeah. All he had was, like, <laughs> where is Blofeld, like, sounding angry. Like, if he had had the where is Blofeld attitude through this, his whole Hulk attitude through this entire movie. <laughs> At least bring it back for the climax, if not the middle. Yeah. Or make Blofeld a menacing villain. Like, when the the villain doesn't even realize Bond is basically, you know, bashing him into a wall. Like, how are we supposed to care about what Bond's doing if the villain thinks it's just one of his random well, henchmen? screw the disguise uh, storyline. Bring back Telly. <laughs> Telly would have been great. Telly can do humor. Yeah, I think he would have been able to pull this film off. Probably better than Donald Pleasant, even though I love Donald Pleasant. I think Telly Savalas could have been good in this film. And he would have been bald. Yes. <laughs> Except oh. for the drag scene. Um, we did mention, again, the the whole climax with the explosion, which happens very quickly. You can kind of tell it was sort of captured mid-explosion, and they didn't really have all the camera setups. Uh, big disappointment for that, because that probably was the one thing they spent money on in this movie outside of Connery's salary. <laughs> we get to the last scene, which is the return of Winton Kidd. This is kind of a Bond staple. They did this in several movies, obviously, from Russia with Love. Goldfinger did this. Um, Any other ones? I mean, technically, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where 
you get one of the henchmen or the villain comes back and you thought they were gone and you get a brief fight. This became the staple of all the 70s Bond movies, as far as I can tell. Um, kind of a fun last scene to end off on. I mean, uh, very down on this movie overall, but <laughs> wince aftershave, give him away, kids the burning man. Um, <laughs> an entertaining scene all around. Uh, I could have done without in a movie that's already this ridiculous. And it could easily pass for an Austin Powers movie because it's funnier than at least the sequels of Austin Powers. For the final kill to be a kill by Wedgie, I, I could have done without <laughs> that, maybe. You went with but overall, I guess a not-so-depressing end to a depressing movie, in my opinion. Um, glad to see you're really positive today, Colin. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Wedgie thing, it's a bit... like I said that... I didn't think Wind and Kid were on PC, but that's a bit ridiculous having Wind like seemingly enjoying getting a wedge. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it's a bit silly. Uh, Kid, they actually, uh, Putter Smith, is that his last name? Yeah. I think so. Um, they actually did light him on fire for this stunt, which is kind of cool. Um, did he die? Uh, no. Noah and I are very amused by people on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Pyro's on if the I episode. Second, yeah, I'm if going I to the pyro convention. I did break up laughing at this because, for whatever reason, I'm sure everybody has that one thing that's maybe a little bit morbid, but you find it hilarious. It's a guarantee. If a human being catches on fire, I am going to be like almost in tears, <laughs> laughing so hard. Doesn't matter what it wow. is. All of the funniest <laughs> things I've seen in my life involve a person catching on fire. So I love Wow. That. So I, I just want to point out that um, should you ever visit me at my house and like it happens to burn down in the middle of the night and you're going to be standing <laughs> out the front and I'm going to be like, going, Colin, help me, Louise is on fire. You're just going to be like, ah, <laughs> look at her skin fall off. Honestly, just you mentioning that cracked me up because I could picture <laughs> just... I'm picturing your house burning down, and I'd be like, oh, the house is burning down, and then you'd come running out, like, back engulfed in flames, and be like, <laughs> it's kind of funny, i got to stay for another few seconds. To watch. Wow, I, I there you like go, that. ladies and gentlemen, do not have Colin Hilding near burning houses. <laughs> I like that uh, we get some resolution to Winton Kid, and that, like, they were kind of there from the beginning, so they're there at the end. Uh, I love that Kid is death by kebab, um, <laughs> and... It's fun, and then overboard, that's the end of them. I kind of wish they didn't die so they came back in more films because I absolutely adore Wind and Kid. I think they're great henchmen. Um, and then I will just point out this is this film doesn't use much of the book, but this scene here with Bond and Tiffany on the cruise ship is actually a part of the book and one of the most important scenes, I guess, because it's kind of Bond potentially getting over the death of Vesper, spoiler alert, and is he in love with Tiffany, isn't he? Uh, they're heading back to England. Who knows what will happen to be continued. Um, so I guess that's another aspect of the book that was included. But I like this kind of ending touch to the film and then the, the how we're going to get those diamonds down is a dumb <laughs> final line for a film, but whatever. It was no Teehee uh, death, but um, I, yeah, I, I, I love... Um, these scenes where you had the the henchmen returning, except for the Majesty Secret Service. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, it's touched on. I, I do love the fact that when he's um coming there with like the fire and and Tiffany's like, eee! 
sounds like Mini Me from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> and then, yes, uh, getting a little bit excited uh, by getting the wedgie, um, whatever you want to say. Um, and then we get the one liner certainly left with his terror between his legs. <laughs> Um, but I think the only thing that this scene was missing was when, uh, you know, he's like, so what was the question you were going to ask me? How do we get those diamonds down again? We just needed it to go, nobody does it better. <laughs> I think it, it's quite a dumb, we're, we're talking about, uh, Winton Kid being a bit dent-like. Um, it is a bit dumb to bring a bomb on board to kill Bond. Like, isn't that going to bring the, them down or even the ship down, blowing up an aspect of this yeah. ship? But anyway. And again, like, the bomb's going to kill them, too. Why are <laughs> Maybe they it's still a suicide not carrying... Like, They're why suicide are they bombers. Least, we know they don't carry a gun, apparently, but they could have at least come on board with a scorpion or something like that and said, <laughs> here's your dinner, and they just left, and the scorpion, like, jumps up and eats Bond in the face or something. I don't know. <laughs> Tarantula. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic killer. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to disagree on one thing, though, because I can't believe I'm going to be defending a line that y- you guys aren't defending. The, how do we get the diamonds down line? I'm always strangely surprised by the line because when that happens, I'm always thinking, yeah, how do they get the diamonds down? Like, nobody's going to leave that type of money up there for Didn't nothing. Did you see so the be- deleted scene in Moonraker when yeah. Roger Moore just quickly... <laughs> we just need to make a stop off. <laughs> this is for you, Tiffy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk really quickly about the book. We don't want to leave Ben out since he's still on his... Uh... He's learning. I'll just read my encyclopedia. He's, he's, he's reading his Where's Bond Waldo book right now. Um... <laughs> there he is! <laughs> but... Tiffany Case, again, such a good Bond girl. You mentioned about how Bond kind of helps him get over Vesper, which... Wait, 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 wait. Can we just get that soundbite? Tiffany Case, such a good Bond girl. Uh, Can we edit that Do not loop that in earlier in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's... um, Tiffany Case, again, such a good Bond girl. Such a good Bond girl. Such a good Bond girl. Tiffany Case, again, such a good Bond girl. Yeah, just keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, uh, in the book, she's such a good Bond girl. She is the full <laughs> opposite of what she is in this movie. She's very competent. She's kind of in charge the whole time. Uh, it makes sense her being in the second half of the movie. And Bond from the beginning, even knowing she's criminal, he's very intrigued by her. And like you said, the whole idea about you know Vesper's death affecting him is something that's lost on these original movies but I even said in the 60s movie it's something that's very important to Bond and even how he treats women uh, that was the one thing that really worked in the Diamonds Are Forever book and that's I honestly think I could forgive almost everything else in here if they just had not butchered her character so bad between that you know butchering Blofeld uh, the the bad climax I mean there's a lot of unforgivable things but I think what they did to Tiffany in this is just so bad I will agree it could have been done better, but I still love Tiffany. But nobody does it better. Yeah. It makes you feel sad for the rest. <laughs> nobody does it half as good as you. Maybe you're the best. <laughs> Sometimes I think that's a good way to end of Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> we go into another song, which is Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Kiss. Oh, I, I love that clip. Uh, every yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Count. We're not going to be very busy on this one, I feel, and I'm hoping we're all in agreement. I think we uh, could let's... Be... get this one finally for once. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Kiss Kiss Count, I mean, I think we already mentioned Tiffany's the only one. Most people kind of remember Plenty O'Toole as so having close a... close to plenty. 
Yeah, everybody seems be. plenty like because we see plenty, and obviously she's half undressed later on. But she gets thrown in a pool before Bond can do anything. So, is it well, just Tiffany, or did you guys count? Uh, we didn't. Did you guys count? We didn't see what he did to the body. <laughs> well, we saw the body turn up in the pool later. Um, <laughs> uh, let's move on from that. Let's we move not on from that, that alley, <laughs> please. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, so uh, yeah, I I am ingredients one. I've only gotten the, uh, the, yes one, yeah one, one. We agreed on something. Yay! I was right. Let's leave the disagreement for last if we have one. Uh, how many Bond James Bonds in this? I only had the one. His first yeah, one. Um, pre title. Uh, any martinis in this one? No. No, which blows my mind because yeah. you'd think in Vegas at all these casinos they would fit a shaken not stirred in. Missed yeah. opportunity. Perfect opportunity, missed it. Bang, bang, count. Uh, I'll say mine first. I have, let me count, one, two, three, four, five. If you Ooh. don't know. Ooh. I really was hoping we would be in ingredients here, and I'm going to say I have eight. I, okay, if you, took, if you took notes for once, maybe we will be in agreement. I, I did take notes. I, t- I took notes for once, too, can I point out, and I got six. Okay. <laughs> of I'll course, we're my... never getting it, gonna get it right. I you? thought this was gonna be like a unanimous one because yeah, I thought all the, the ones I put down were fairly obvious. Well, do you uh, want I me have... to say my eight then? Okay, go for it. Uh, we have Winton Kid, mm-hmm. Fake or Fofeld, uh when they're up at Willem White's place. Mm-hmm. Peter Franks or Franks Peter Franks. Mm-hmm. Uh. Fake Blofeld guy in the mud in the pre-title sequence. Yeah, those are the five I have. Uh, then the other Blofeld falling into the mud at the very end of the pre-title sequence. Oh. But, okay, see, this is my question. Is that death by mud? Uh, we know canoes. No, if we're counting mud, three blind mice. Wait, but hold on. Is that just the same Blofeld we see later on and he didn't die because it was just no, mud? No, I don't think so. I just want to quickly update one thing. I've got seven because I, for some reason, didn't include Frank's death. So I've got um, seven. And then after that is the two henchmen that Bond stabs with the knives in the pre-title. Which does he stand with the knife? Uh, when he has to put his hand up in the pre-title sequence. Oh, okay. Okay, so then I would have had seven then because... Yeah, if there's two of them there, you said? I thought there's only one. No, there's two. Are you sure? Well, in the commentary track, he said, and the men that Bond kills are played by... Well, I've okay. got... Bond Smith and John Doe. I've got... the Well, okay, Franks, Winton Kidd. Um, I just added Frank, so I've got seven. Then the four I got in the opening scene, I got, yeah, Blofeld with the mud, uh, other Blofeld into the other mud, so the... <laughs> Two Blofelds. Yeah, two got, mud deaths. I've got one guard with knives, and then the guy at the start in the grass. Or is that the other guy we're talking about with the knives? Guy at the start with the grass? In The first guy he kills in the grass going into... I've got here, kill man in grass. <laughs> I don't remember man in grass. <laughs> okay, I'm watching the pre-title scene right now. Um... That might be the other guy that you're talking about, the two guys with the knives, though. For some reason, I've just written, kill man in grass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to watch it. Let's talk really quickly about the other Blofeld, because 
are we willing to believe that there are that many doubles of Blofeld in this movie or that maybe he didn't die? Because if you guys are willing to think of this, I'll call it a plot Oh, role. shit. Hang on, I haven't included the other Blofeld. In- oh, no, I've got eight. Hang on. Oh, match! No, hang on, hang on. But... I've, I've forgotten Frank's and I've forgotten the other Blofeld when the, the two and he says, oh, the wrong pussy. I haven't included that Blofeld. Yeah, so Fuck. Cool. I've got eight. I've got eight. Okay, because I would be up at eight if we count there are two henchmen in the pre-title scene. Yeah, okay. uh, And if we were going well, to count the mud one as a real Blofeld, but I was assuming it's still the regular Blofeld, he didn't die. I mm. think I think it's a fake one because that's the whole big plot twist is... Yeah. There's a fake one and I'm the real Blofeld. That's like the main okay, twist. Okay, so why was he making the other one that clearly wasn't Blofeld? Why was he making him into... So, so, so wait, Colin, are you, saying, are you saying the one that he slides into the mud, not the one who's already in the mud? Right. The one at right. the very end. Both of them I've counted. Yeah, I counted both because when he slides him into the mud, like that's boiling mud. Yep, you see it like that's bubbling. Like, that's it. Bomb's got his revenge. He's killed Blofeld. Uh, yeah. That's it. But then, wait, plot twist. It's fake Blofeld. Well, except in the books, there's an entire like beauty regiment of being in boiling mud. So I would assume <laughs> if they're uh, using this as a into, reference like, to the mud baths or anything, Tiger Tanaka, a Japanese <laughs> proverb. So um, I've got eight, basically. Yeah. Title scene, I'm... I'm looking at the pre-title scene right now. It starts, he's throwing... This is probably in Japan. He's throwing a guy through a wall. This guy doesn't Gyro! die. Yeah, but we're assuming he does not die, right? I didn't count him. Yeah, I didn't count the death Unless one. Unless he's okay, mad grass. He's speaking in his last line. Then we have... <laughs> death by Cairo. But ben then we have that as the a death. death by roulette Hit wheel. Me. Yeah, um, I didn't count him. He's still alive. Then we have... We do not have a death by bikini twist, right? Uh, Damn it. That okay. could have been another kiss count if he just went a bit further. Yeah, Probably well, he did. That's all I have. The only other thing we have as far as henchmen is there's a henchman with a knife in his back. We don't see Bond kill him, but let's assume Bond killed him to get in there. Is that's he the in the grass? Thing. Is he in grass? Uh, let me see. Uh, he's <laughs> lying down in the grass. There we go. There's Manny Grass. Well, I didn't there count. We found which means I have grass. nine. <laughs> okay, no, but who are your other henchmen, though? There's, there, the two that, guys when Bond has to put his hands up in the mud bath. He only kills field. one there, doesn't he, in the mud bath? Well, I'm yeah, going purely off that. the commentary track. Well, you're you're okay. You're basing it off the commentaries and not seeing it yourself. Well, he says the men that Bond killed is played by but blah, maybe, blah, blah, but, blah. but is he referring to the guy we saw in the grass as well as the guy with I the knife? I don't think so. I'm I watching the scene right now. He's, I got eight. Ben, on the you got eight. So is this? Is this death by mousetrap with this guy? Like, I'm I'm happy with that. Knocks no. into each other. I so think so Colin, we're, maybe go, we're maybe going on a bit too so, long here. I yeah. think people are tuning out. But I just want to quickly ask. So, Colin, basically, you've got seven because you're not counting Blofeld in mud. Otherwise, you're up there with eight if you included him. I'm, I'm finishing watching the pre-title scene. We have let's count the ones we agree on. Is there are apparently three doubles of Blofeld that die throughout this movie? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's Wimp Kid, there's yep. Franks, yep. and then there's just the dispute of all the henchmen. Now, henchmen. I just watched the title scene. We have one guy in the grass who's dead. Guy in grass. And then we have two guards where Bond is holding his hands up. He throws the one guy into the other guy. That guy he threw him into is never seen from again. 
he throws knives into the other guy. Yeah, that's so yeah. one of those henchmen. I just just by the man on the commentary track. I think maybe but my argument there would be that he ref- he's referring to guy in grass, guy we see with knives. Because yeah, what Colin said, like there's I think, the I think second, we're going the super second... on. I think we should just say eight. Well, I'm just yeah, the second henchman. I think we're getting that. bored. Yeah, I'll go with eight because again, the, the second henchman only gets knocked off his feet, so we can't yeah, count I'm, that. I'm happy with that. Unless you're yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with eight, guys, so I'm fine with eight. I'm happy with eight because technically, I kind of feel like I was right for once because I know I forgot to put Frank's another blowfield, but that was just an well, I said mind. eight to begin with. So oh, wait, me, 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 all right, me, me. <laughs> so we're at for eight. once. It's not Colin yeah. who's right. <laughs> one bond and one martini or zero martinis one one um kiss kiss and eight kills so yeah. all right just quickly so that means i really thought we were going to be in ingredients there. <laughs> 91 kills oh we're getting close to the century um 91 kills uh 20 kiss kisses five martinis and five bond james bonds that's where we're up to cool all right awesome what do we have next up? We have the Hall of Fame. I believe so. Yeah. Hmm. Do we have a? We need a theme for this one. Well, Hall um... of Fame. <laughs> it's the whole, the whole with the classic scenes. Well, um, Colin, you could make one, or I could just use that Hall of Fame song <laughs> that was. Had I'm Will gonna, I I'm am gonna in take it. Noah's voice, and I'm gonna put no. that to the gold. <laughs> there we that. have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm hang on, that. hang on, okay, can we can we hear that right now? Then. It's the whole, the whole with the classic scene. Hey! There we go. Um, okay, so Hall of Fame scenes. I think we already all said the car chase is in there, right? Yeah, yeah. that's got I would okay. agree. I'm, I'm my, my vote will be up for grabs for some of the other ones because I don't consider many of these classic scenes. But I also think that the fight with Peter Franks definitely deserves oh, to be in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm yeah. putting that up there. Can I, can I put up for number three, suggest- Moon Buggy? <laughs> I would disagree on the Moon Buggy. It's kind of famous for the wrong reasons, I think. Yeah. That or Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you joke, but, like, that it's line... It's a famous line. It is a famous line. Your father, that is played over and over. That's remembered pretty fondly. Yeah, but that would be in, like, the line Hall of Fame, because... What else is that scene known for? I mean, the second scene is probably known a little bit more, and even that's just her getting thrown into a pool, which really makes no sense, as we said. Well, look, I I, I know what you're saying about the moon buggy, but I would really struggle to say, like, I mean, it's known for the wrong reasons, but it's still known. And yeah, that shot of the blasting through the uh, like walls the car yeah. so many times. Uh, yeah. uh, there's, not, there's not really a whole lot else in this movie that would stand the test I'm of gonna time. I'm going to put another one up. That's why I consider this a bad movie and you guys are like... <laughs> well, oh, we, we also struggled to get three with Thunderball. Don't you forget that. Um, <laughs> oh, we had to I'll, put I'll, the damn underwater scene that everyone hates up there. Um, I don't think they hate it as much as the moon buggy. Even you said it yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to put another one up. I think it's very much remembered and I think it's a classic scene but based off your two opinions on it probably not going to make it but I think uh, Bambi and Thumper should be in there that's a good call that or elephant playing slots (laughs) (laughs) Bambi it's it's a great fight plus it's it's well known like a lot of people remember that I yeah. wouldn't consider it to be a great fight I would say again that's one of those scenes that's remembered for the wrong reasons but 
I'll say it's probably more memorable for the wrong reasons than the moon buggy seat. So I wouldn't be that opposed to Bambi. Either that or Winton Kid with the scorpion and helicopter blowing up. Yeah, that I think Bond that's in the fire casket. That's a decent one. Um, maybe a bit too brief, but that's decent. Shady Trees stand up. Uh, really. <laughs> Uh, look, my vote's still for Moon Buggy. <laughs> I would probably lean towards Bambi and Thumper, to be honest. I, I, I'd, I'd, accept, Bambi. I'd accept Bambi and Thumper if I'm not going to get any love for Moon Buggy. This is the underwater love. scene all over again. Please feel free to vote in and say that if I was right and they were wrong. But we'll, put <laughs> well I, I'm not opposed to Moon Buggy, but it is kind of people joke about it a lot. Um... Okay, so we've got Car Chase, Frank Fight, and Bambi and Thumper. Yeah, I'm yeah. wrongful with that. Cool. Right. Maybe all at right. the end, once we get through all 24 films, we'll like filter it down a bit and get rid of some of the ones that don't really belong in Um, Last thing we really have to go through here is our rankings. Um, do, I we think have a, do we have a theme for this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to joke around because then you're going to take my voice and do <laughs> ridiculous with it. Rankings, baby. Uh, okay, now Ben's going to be in there. Um... Rankings! Rankings! Rankings, baby. Diamond. That's why I don't sing on these shows, everybody. <laughs> okay, so... The main I'll go first because I think there's really only one dispute as to where I'm going to put this, and it's whether it's going to be below You Only Live Twice or ahead of You Only Live Twice. Um, I think, honestly, like, overall, I think there was probably more entertainment in the first half of this movie than in the first two-thirds of You Only Live Twice. But You Only Live Twice had a budget working for it, so the bad things in the movie looked a lot better. Uh, it obviously had better performances overall, better Blofelds. Uh, Aki at least was better than Tiffany Case. I just I can't get over how bad the second half of this movie is and how bad the, uh. the characters are and the acting. So I'm going to put this right at the bottom. Oh, so number seven. Yes. <laughs> of oh, the seven we've seen so far. I don't want people getting the wrong idea about my top ten list. There we go. Colin ranks this the seventh best Bond film. <laughs> That's what. See, I, I I avoid the singing, but I get that. And Tiffany Case is a great Bond girl. <laughs> yes. All right, um, Colin. I think you said it best in our fourth episode, um, which was when we talked about Thunderbolt. Like you acknowledged the flaws in it, but you also said that despite that that you still really enjoyed the film. And let's face it, this is so fun. And we talked about every scene and in every scene I was saying, Oh yeah, that, that moment was fun. That was funny. That was a cool action sequence. Every scene, there was nothing uh, real. I had some negative things to say about, I don't really like the climax too much. Um, I love Tiffany, even though you hate her. um, I I love plenty, not as much as uh, Ben. I think Bambi Thumper, great. Willard White is great. Um, at the end of the day, you can be objective about things, and there are a lot of flaws in this film, although sometimes the flaws is what makes a great Bond film. But at the end of the day, you should be subjective based on what you like. It's our own personal list. Every Bond fan has a different list. Like, I don't think you have two that are exactly the same. Uh, so you should be subjective about it while acknowledging the flaws. And 
this rambling, 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 I know I'm going on, that's because I'm going to say, as we lose all of our listeners, oh, diamonds no. are forever. Oh, no. Number one! Oh, oh, no! No! I had to set that up. Oh, great. This, are you, are I, you actually serious? I've... I want to rewatch this film right now, and it's probably the Bond film I've seen the most next to Dr. No. I just love the hell out of this. It's so entertaining, and if I think of any Bond film that I can put on and just have a great time with, it's funny, it's got action, Connery's great, it's got a great Bond girl, great henchman, villain, it's got everything. I freaking love Diamonds Are Forever. I love Die Another Day, Noah Groves. I love that movie, but even I wouldn't put that above Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And all of the scenes that you're talking about, you're like, this was a fun scene. They're all fun again for the wrong reasons, which is why we had trouble coming up with a third all of That's what I love. I love about Bond, though, is that it's it's bad in some... Like, like every Bond film has bad moments, and that's what Not I love about bad. it. bad. <laughs> wow. One. Okay. But, but Colin, uh, as you said, uh, Diamonds Are Forever is your seventh. Uh, but it's not really a seven, so I'm putting it number one out of seven. You'd never know what will happen at the rest of this list. At this rate, Moonrake is going to be fucking number one. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> wow, so we've got somebody saying it's the best, somebody saying it's the worst. Where well, will I put you it? You have to put it fourth. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> because I do quite like this movie. Um, maybe not as much as you, Noah. Um, and looking at my list, I think it is a better movie than Thunderball. I think it's a better movie than Doctor No. I think it's a better movie than You Only Live Twice. But I'm I throw up. <laughs> but but I cannot, in my right mind, put it ahead of Honor Majesty's Secret Service Goldfinger for Russia Thank with Love. You. So I am putting it at fourth. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I am legitimately. This has to be our most divided film so far. I love it. Okay, so and can just, I just hold on, just go, go to on. show my appreciation for Ben having. Less common sense than me, but more than Noah. Let's hear Die Another Day one more time. <laughs> Yay! Colin, put that in, not me. Good on you, son. <laughs> um, so I just want to then go over quickly our rankings after seven films. <laughs> um, I have on a Majesty's Secret Service, Goldfinger from Russia with Love, Diamonds Are Forever, You Only Live Twice, Doctor No, Thunderball, Noah has Diamonds Are Forever on Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Doctor No, You Only Live Twice, Thunderball, and Send Colin your has... Send to 007 <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, Doctor No, You Only Live Twice, and Diamonds Are Forever. At least you'll begin to die another day if I say, oh, I put it at number five. Like, you can't rip shit into me for that. Well, I will. <laughs> um, um, okay, just, I'll, I'll just quick get these over and done with quickly, Colin, um, to jump in here. Um, the grossing, the box office, um, it only, where are we? It made uh, its 17th overall if you don't adjust it for inflation. 43,819,547, uh, which puts it ahead of You Only Live Twice and Just Below The Spy Who Loved Me. They re-released the same film twice there. Um, and if you adjust it, uh, it is the ninth most successful Bond film of all time, 215,644,000, uh, below From Russia With Love and Just Ahead of Casino Royale, funnily enough. Um, and our best friend, Peter Travers... Oh, him. He puts it at 18th 
uh, just uh, just below a view to a kill. Seven, that's better than 17th. Get out of it, Peter Travers. And ahead of Goldeneye. Oh. Yeah, there's... You're trying to sell Peter Travers here. You didn't do a very good job. He's going at 19th. In response to that, IGN has this as the third worst Bond movie. Only Man with a Golden Gun and Die Another Day are behind. So let's have the listeners decide. IGN or Peter Travers. Peter Travers. Peter Travers has Die Another Day at 10, so he's smarter. Really quickly, we should just mention, I mean, the box office is important because... On Majesty's Secret Service was a big hit. As we said, it was you know on level with a lot of the, the hit movies we see coming out now, but it was not to the level of the first five movies. When Lazenby decided not to come back, they, they basically said, give Sean Connery whatever he wants to get him back in this movie, and they paid him a little over a million dollars, which at the time made him the highest paid actor in history. Uh, and it was only for the one-time gig, and obviously it paid off because we don't have a very good movie here, and Connery made it one of the most successful Bond movies of all time. Cool. It's awesome. Cool. <laughs> Finally, let's just get into, I guess, closing thoughts on Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, I don't want to let Noah go, but don't I'll let, let Noah talk. go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a perfect film, but I have so much fun with it. I want to rewatch it right now. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. I didn't necessarily say it will be number one. And Yes, you did. <laughs> you put no, it I first. mean, overall. Um... <laughs> Sometimes the whole ranking thing is a bit silly because in reality I love Honor Majesty's Secret Service from Russia would love Dr. No Goldfinger just as much. But if I had to put it there, purely subjective, I just love this film. So uh, we pointed out the flaws, but really I think we pointed out more flaws in Dr. No and we all love Dr. No, although Ben uh, doesn't really seem to love Dr. No. But So, yeah, send in your hate mail, but I'll defend this film to the grave. I love it. Good on you, elephant, scoring three elephants on the machine. <laughs> uh, look, I I like Diamonds Are Forever, not as much as Noah. We've established that. It's fun. It's it's campy. We haven't really mentioned that word, but it is. Oh. We, we can't deny that it isn't. It, it's campy. I mean, well, I always say, sorry to butt in, it takes the Connery from Connery and the comedy from Moore, and that's like the perfect combination. It's, I mean, it's Bond in Vegas. Like, if you are trying to sell this movie to, you know, people who haven't really seen James Bond before, like, do you, hey, Mildred, you love Las Vegas. <laughs> um, well, you should watch James Bond in Las Vegas. And I think, no, it was you who said it before. I mean, it's a, it's a great location for James Bond. There, I mean, there are several cities in the world that just automatically you could say that would be great for a Bond movie. And, I mean, Vegas is just so obvious. It's such a great setting. I would argue that, you know, probably one city that hasn't been, I mean, he's been to New York, but I know there was a story, isn't there, called Bond in New York, but we haven't really had a film, a James Bond film, where the whole thing is sort of really set in New York and I think that's missing from the James Bond universe but Vegas they've ticked that off it's a great location um, and it's a fun film it's not the best <laughs> but it's not the worst and I similar to you though Noah I could just put this in and watch it and have a lot of fun with it no matter how many times I see it I always kind of have a weird reaction with this movie because I saw it not that long ago and it is one of those movies like if I'll go through a rewatch of the whole series obviously I'm watching them all but Every once in a while, you just get in the mood for a certain Bond movie. And every once in a while, I get in the mood for Diamonds Are Forever. And I usually enjoy the first half of it. And then, I, I, for whatever reason, I always forget how much I dislike the second half of this movie. Uh, because it just, once it starts, like, in the second half, I mean, I'm just so bored. Uh, I don't think that it's, you know, the bad things in here are bad in a good way. 
Uh, I think there are forgivable flaws like in Thunderball and Dr. No and at least the end of You Only Live Twice. And then there's unforgivable flaws. And it really has a lot to do with how a movie ends. And the fact that the second half of this movie is so bad, uh, you don't want to watch the rest of it, in my opinion. And I'm, I, I always regret watching Diamonds Are Forever by the time it's over. So I'm not really going to be a defender of this uh, in a lot of ways, other than the fact that I think there are some fun scenes throughout. And Connery is definitely better than most people think. For those keeping track at home, uh, I don't know what one of the other three most boring movies ever of all time, according to my <laughs> wife, Jamie R. But one of the things she quoted at the end of this movie was, this is almost as bad as Mona Lisa Smile, uh, a Julia Roberts movie, which she often <laughs> quotes as the worst movie ever made. So this is on level with that. Please uh, tell me this will not be your last one. We don't want to spoil it, but please tell me this there, is not there is, your worst like, Bond again, film. It kind of flip-flops, especially with the ones at the bottom. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with some of the 70s ones because there are some bad ones in there. But there is at least one Bond movie that is by far the worst, where there's really not much redeemable about it. So is this it, won't the, be is it Die Another Day? No, it's not Die Another Day. Yay! Uh, one other thing, when the movie finished, uh, my wife, who was barely, uh, barely even speaking to me at that point... <laughs> just turned to me and said they should have called this movie Diamonds Are Disappointment. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that as a title for it. Unlike men. Unlike what? Men. I just You like men? What? <laughs> Unlike men. It's a reference to Shirley Bassey, who sings 1971's Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's really out of context at this point in the show. I'm just going to tell you <laughs> Uh, there's another loop we're gonna have going into future episodes. <laughs> Noah, I like men. 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 Before we get uh, 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 the goodbye comments on here, uh, Live and Let Die is up next. I've already rewatched this one. Um, I'm gonna say right off the bat, I this is another one of those movies that I always rank near the bottom. But for whatever reason, the last year or so, this movie's been growing on me, and I probably enjoy i definitely enjoyed a lot more than diamonds are forever and i enjoyed it more than i have at any point in the past as as much as there are issues with this movie as well so i'm actually really excited to talk about live and let die next week because uh my opinion's kind of like shifting a little bit on it and i don't think it'll ever be a great bond movie but uh i think that it's a bond movie that doesn't age as poorly as diamonds are forever thanks to a better budget Roger Moore is definitely uh, a welcome change from some of the lazier efforts of Connery. Um, I'm going to be a big defender of Rosie Carver, too. So uh, I'm excited about the Rosie Carver debate we're going to have. And you said plenty of it all wasn't a Bond girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've also rewatched it. Um, same as you, but maybe in the opposite direction. I've always seen this as one of the good ones. And... There's definitely some enjoyable things to talk about, but I feel like my opinion on it is kind of decreasing. Um, I'm still excited to talk about it, but I'm more excited just to kick off this new era and get into the more films. We're going to be in for a long ride, but it's going to be fun. So live and let die. It's going to be an interesting one to talk about, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
All right, let's buckle in for 817 Roger Moore films, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, look, I, I, I joke. I, I have already watched this one. We all have, apparently. We, we're doing our homework. Let's just do it now. Um, and I'm, I'm going to rewatch it again to actually take notes down because I sort of just watched it entertainingly and then I'm going to do it for a notes one. And, again, been a long time since I've seen it. And I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it's not... To me, this is one of the worst films, and it gets a lot of love, Live and Let Die, I find. But I, I, I think the movie, jumping ahead, that comes after it, that gets a lot of shit, is a far better film than Live and Let Die. But I'm, I'm going to look forward to talking about it. Um, Roger Moore, I've you know not really been a huge fan of his, but again, I sort of may be changing my opinions on him slightly, having to get to watch these again. It really is a, a very vastly different era, obviously, that we're going to enter in because, you know, all jokes aside, Roger Moore obviously is the most uh, most appearances as a James Bond, uh, as an actor playing James Bond. So um, you've got to get used to him. <laughs> um, but it's obviously a very important era that we're about to get to. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about it because I have a feeling, just like this one, we're all going to have varying opinions on Live and Let Die. Yeah, I, I think just from our brief synopsis here, um, this is probably going to be the one that we're most divided on. We kind of have one who loves it, one who's indifferent, and one who's not really into it at all. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, yeah, so Guy Hamilton will be back for that one, but Sean Connery won't. Uh, do we uh, want to say goodbye to Sean Connery uh, in any well, special we way never here? say goodbye, Colin. Never. Because never say never again. <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery will be back. Sean Connery will be back. With brand new hair. Sean Connery will be back! He's turned into the Terminator Hulk now. Um, <laughs> I guess that's it for Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, thankfully, I'm moving on from this. So, uh, I'm Colin Hilding, and if you're out there, attaboy, Larry. Larry? Larry? I'm uh, Noah Groves, and I hope this wasn't too much of amateur night for you, and can't wait to do Diamonds Are Forever Redux episode. And I'm still Ben O'Toole. You've been a lousy audience. <laughs> Get lost, see you later. And to quote uh, Jinx, your mama! <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Bob. Right idea, Mr. Bob. But wrong pussy. I tend to notice little things like that. Whether a girl is a blonde or brunette. And which do you prefer? Oh, providing the collars and cuffs match. I must say, Miss Case seems quite attractive. For a lady. <laughs> you are English? I speak English. Who is your floor? I'm Bambi. And I'm Thumper. I'm Klaus Hergesheimer. G section. Oh, how are things in G section? Bert Saxby, tell him he's fired. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. Who's she, your mother? You dirty double-crossing limey thing. Keep leaning on that tutor, Charlie, and you're gonna get a shot in the mouth. Will you please leave, you irritating man? Your brother, Mr. Franks? Yes, it was. I got a brother. Small world. Baja. I haven't got a thing at Baja. Exceptionally fine shot. I didn't know it was a pool down there.
curious how everyone who touches those diamonds seems to die. And I've smelled that after shave before, and both times I've smelled a rat. I was just out walking my rat, and I seem to have lost my way. Heartwarming, Mr. Wimp. A glowing tribute, Mr. Kid. You stupid twit, you put the real one back Come in. Come on. Surrender. This is not the madness. We're showing a bit more cheek than usual, aren't we? Well, he's certainly left with his tails between his legs. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, Mr. Wood. Let me see. You are uh, Professor Doctor Metz. Metz. How do you spell? One of the smells like a tart's handkerchief. Come in, Larry. Larry? I think Larry got him. boy, Larry. Come in. Larry? Larry? boy, Larry. I want to let you folks know you've been a lousy audience. So get lost. See you later. Blow up your pants.